Today on Get Ranked, the guys rank their top 10 movies based on TV shows. If you're gonna spew, spew into this. We must stop dirty language from getting to our children's ears! Hello, everybody, and welcome to it. Another episode of Get Ranked, a movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Cody, and with me, as always, is the one, the only... I am Nick. This week, we're going to take a look at our favorite movies that were based on TV shows, be that you know sequels, reboots, re-releases, finales, mid-streams, whatever. We got... All over the gambit. As long as it was a TV show before it was a movie, I think it qualifies for our list. Yeah, as long as it draws the source material from something that was on TV. And this was a bigger category than I expected. Looking at some movies, it's like, oh, I forgot that was a show, or I never knew that was a show. It was a bigger category than I expected in terms of how many, yeah, how many there were. But I will say... It whittled down to 10 for me real quick. Yeah. I think I ended up with 15 my first run through. That's about what I had. And then it was kind of easy to skim off mm-hmm. some of the some of the others. Um, yeah. So. It's another instance for me where my number one was pretty much solidified the minute I wrote it down. So was mine. But like the next, you know, probably the next five I changed around like all week and then the other, you know, ones were kind of that's where they should be or that that works for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I shuffled around the top half of my list, the high half um a couple times over the past couple days, but I think my top 3 or 4 were definitely set. Mm-hmm. Like right away. Yeah, my 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 top four were always my top four. My number one was always my number one. Mm-hmm. But the next three were always the next three. I just kind of fiddled with the order a little bit throughout the week. Right, and I think you know that's par for the course. That means we're thinking though. We're thinking this stuff through. We're not. And I just... will. Yeah, and I will preface for our listeners before you get angry at me. My list is predominantly comedy. <laughs> Mine as I well. Just... I, I will let l- listeners know uh, I'm a big comedy fan. It's uh, what I do with my life, you know, career. Um, so to me, whenever I do a list, comedy is always the first thing I go to. Now, there are, there are some that are not comedy on my list, mm-hmm. but the bulk of my list is uh, comedies. So just getting that out of the way now before we even get to the list, because I know people are going to be like, oh, well, this wasn't on his list and that. That's probably better than X, Y, and Z. That's a drama. True. But in terms of enjoyment, I'm going to put a comedy. (laughs) Yeah. But before we get into all of that, we do have a little bit of movie news this week. Yeah, we do. Um, For the geeks like myself, Mm -hmm. I am am much more excited, I think, about this whole project um, coming to fruition than Nick (sighs) may be. Um, This week, uh, we had... Pokemon Day, and this week we also got a second trailer for Detective Pikachu. It explained a little bit more about what the movie's going to be about, and 
I gotta say, I'm excited, and I will probably be there in the theater opening day for the first time in a long time with movies. I normally wait them out for a few days, second weekend. Uh, you can guarantee I'll be there first weekend. Um, I'll catch it on DVD. <laughs> I, and let me say, I I grew up with Pokemon, loved Pokemon growing up. Got away from it, and now there was just too much for me to keep track of. Uh, I'll I played po- I played Pokemon Go for maybe like a month, and then got incredibly bored with it. Uh, I play Pikachu in Super Smash Brothers. He's a badass on there. Uh, <laughs> I won't say this. This movie's just not for me. Um, it's not to say I don't think it looks bad or it looks good. I'm just kind of just. There it is. You know what I mean? Here's a movie, Detective Pikachu. Um, I will say I, I do like seeing the Pokemon kind of come to life. I think that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. To me, that'll be why I watch it. The story, I think, is ridiculous. I'm sure that's on purpose. I mean, it seems that way, but it just, to me, when I watch it, it'll be fun to see, you know, Charizard kicking ass and have being crazy, you know, or mm-hmm. Mewtwo, as we see in the new trailer, which was really awesome. I'll give yeah. them that. But the movie's just not for me. I've never been a big Pokemon fan. Like I said, I, I did I do have I did have cards. I did play what was red and blue the original. Mm-hmm. I had I had red. I remember getting it the day it came out. My old my old Game Boy, you know. So I liked it growing up, but really grew away from it. So I'm not not like you. I'm not the target audience of someone who still keeps up with Pokemon and would be their opening weekend. But right. I can definitely see why it is as big as it is because people are finally getting something like this. And I think that is really cool. Right. And it's not that we haven't gotten Pokemon movies. We've gotten many cartoon movies. That's um, I mean, something like this. But They're yeah. finally getting um, like a live action. I say live action because, yes, it is live action. But all the Pokemon, it's kind of the same like with Lion King coming out. It's quote unquote live action. Right. You know? But this one does have human actors but as yes, well. It is, yes, it is live action. But the Pokemon, you know, themselves are, are still CG, but photorealistic. I'll photorealistic, say. yeah. Um, so, no, excited. Middle of May. It's going to be a good, it's going to be a good weekend. Um, um, I, I will say I don't like Ryan Reynolds as the choice for Pikachu. <sighs> I, I, he's doing Deadpool. <laughs> he, he really it's, is. Ryan Reynolds doesn't change his. No, he don't. For and anything, will, he's doing yeah. two guys and a girl still. Yeah, and I will say, I I like Ryan Reynolds a lot. I love Deadpool. He's he's an actor that I I like in everything pretty much for you know, for the most part, unless he tries to do drama, which I don't think he's that good at. But he he's not doing anything different with his voice. Just hire Danny DeVito. He was the choice for it, right? Yeah, there was at one point. Oh, I don't mean like in serious, but like he's a no-brainer. It should be Danny DeVito. <laughs> that would be so much fun. This hard grizzled Pikachu. But instead, we get we get Deadpool playing little mm-hmm. Pikachu. And I mean, honestly, can can you really say that any of Ryan Reynolds' characters have been much different? Deadpool, Van Wilder. True. All, he it's he does tend to have a typecast. That's, that same inflection him. in <laughs> all of his voices. And yeah, yeah. So, but I like him as an actor. It's it's interesting to see. It, it definitely an interesting choice for mm-hmm. Pikachu. Yeah. Um, the other thing is in the original cartoon, Mewtwo could talk too. So I'm curious to mm-hmm. see who voices Mewtwo. Yeah, 
I, I will say I loved that first Pokemon movie. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was awesome. I, I will say I love that movie. That's that's a good movie. So yeah, it'd be cool to see if they do have have Mewtwo talk, and it should be uh, Patrick Stewart. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just saying it right now. If it's not Patrick Stewart, that movie should just be thrown in the trash. Can you imagine that Mewtwo flying up and then, I'm Sir Patrick Stewart, and he's gonna say he's Sir Patrick Stewart, which should be even better. Of course. Yeah. Um. <laughs> on to news part two. Um. I'll take this one. Go ahead. So he's really excited about Pokemon coming out. I'm excited about, I'm a huge James Bond fan. I own every single one. I own the box set, the Bond 50, love them. Any of them. Uh, Some more than others. Die Another Day is definitely a hard watch. Um, But I love the Daniel Craig era, and they've been working towards Bond number 25. No title yet, which they always keep that close to their chest until, you know, a few months out. But some interesting news, as we did have the Oscars Sunday night, which, oh, we got to talk about that. Uh, Rami Malek, who won Best Actor for Bohemian Rhapsody, is kind of, not a lock, but it's rumored he's going to play the villain in the new Bond movie. That the producers of Mr. Robot have agreed to kind of rework his schedule to allow him to do it. It's not official, but sources are pretty positive that that's going to be what happens, which I love that choice. Yeah, I th- I think he will play a good villain. Um, mm-hmm. He he plays a good. I, I wouldn't call him necessarily a hero of Mister Robot, um, mm-hmm. but I could see him taking on a more aggressive role in a villain. Um, yeah, could you picture him as almost like Mister Robot, like his character from Mister Robot, as like a Bond villain, like this tech genius. You know, yeah. like, I just think that's a that would be a cool idea. Whatever they do with him, he's, he's really good. And I've always been more of a fan when the Bond villain is someone we know, actor-wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like, like some of the older movies, you know, they're not actors. We are really, they're, they're just kind of character actors. Or, exactly, you know, they're not, you know, I, I like, I love Skyfall. And I love Javier Bardem in Skyfall. Because it's an actor I recognize, and I think that's awesome. Now, granted, there are some that I don't know actor, actors that I really like as a villain. It's like Goldfinger. I have no clue who that guy is. Mm-hmm. But he's great. You know. But yeah. I'm always more for if you can hire an actor. Like, when they hired Christoph Waltz for Spectre as Blofeld, oh, my head about exploded. <laughs> you know? So, I'm all for this. Yeah. Um, it It's going to be exciting. Um, do they have a timeline for Bond 25 yet? Next year, twenty twenty. Uh, I would guess late next year. It's Bond movies are usually November, right? So I'm gonna guess probably not till Christmas or, or holiday season of next year at the earliest. Because right. I, I, my guess would be they'd probably film it later this year. Okay, so something definitely to look forward to. Maybe we'll do our top ten Bonds sometime next year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, that's a guarantee. <laughs> Or we'll rank all 50. There you go. Or no, all 25. Oh, that'd be a chore. Well, all the Daniel Craigs are at the bottom of the list. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) I like the campy Bond better. I don't know what it is. I think Bond got too serious when Daniel Craig took over. Well, that was the whole point of that, was to kind of take it out of the camp. Because you have to remember, the one right before Daniel Craig's Bond was Die Another Day, which mm-hmm. is one of the most ridiculous Bond films. Yeah. So it made sense they went in that direction. And Jason Bourne was big around that time. So it was kind of, okay, how can we replicate that? Right. And I think 
Mission Impossible was around that time as well, right? Um, the the resurgence of Mission Impossible well, yeah. was around that time. The, the third one that J.J. Abrams did was around that same time period. So, yeah, kind of the resurgence of that. Mm-hmm. So, hey, we disagree, and that was, that's what makes the show good. Oh, yeah. That would be a fun show because of that. That's always fun. All right. So let's quick just plow through this uh, while we have a second. So the Oscars were Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick won the I was, pool. I won our pool, but on <laughs> in terms of what we went over on the show, uh, no. <laughs> no, we didn't. Did we, we did not do that well. I think for best actress, I had Glenn Close. Me too. And it was not Glenn Close. It was Olivia Coleman, who I think I did say that would be the person that would be the upset. Because mm-hmm. I kind of well figured deserved. that there was... What's that? Well deserved too. Oh yeah. Um, best supporting I got right on the show. It was uh, Regina King. Best supporting actor I got right. Mahershala Ali. Best actor I think I we both kind of thought it was either going to be Christian Bale or Rami Malek. So mm-hmm. we were half right. So there. we have we're half right. And, and best picture. Best picture. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I had Roma. I think you had Rhapsody, right? Mm-hmm. I had Rhapsody and yeah. Green Book took it away. And it was. And it was Green Book, you know, and we won't get into that controversial subject because that right. since Sunday night, <laughs> don't even bring up Green Book on anything because you'll just get hammered with a lot of negative comments. But yeah, Green Book was the, the winner of the night. So, yeah, it's interesting. Congratulations <laughs> to all the winners. I know you're all yeah. listening. Yeah, except Olivia Coleman. It should have been should have been Glenn Close. <laughs> On to the main oh, event. Oh, Spider-Verse 1. Spider-Verse 1, yes. Yeah, the best animated film of last year. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that the Academy actually did something right. <laughs> yeah. In that case, you know, I, I do like The Incredibles a lot. It was a good movie. Wreck-It Ralph was good, but... I liked was, Isle of Dogs. Isle of Dogs was good, but... Come on. Spider-Verse is the best Spider-verse animated was, film of last year. Spider-verse, Spider-Verse was really good. Of all of them, it's the only have. one I did see in the theater. Yeah, and Spider-Verse should have been nominated for Best Picture. You know, mm-hmm. and they do that every now and then. And that should have been nominated for Best Picture. It was it's that good. So I was happy to see that win. So All right. So on to the main event. Um we're taking a look at our personal top ten movies based on television shows. Well let's uh go over the rules real quick or kind of how the show works in case there are some newbies here. As Stan Lee said Every comic book could be someone's first comic book. Right. And we'll equate that to podcasts. Uh, So how the show works, everybody, is once Cody and I pick a topic, we both go our separate ways and create our own personal top ten based on that topic. Then we discuss our topic, our top tens. First we'll do ten through six, take a little break, and do five through one. Then once we're done with all that, we'll create a master top ten compiled from both of our lists. And there will be arguing and bickering and shenanigans along the way. Always a blast. And a little tomfoolery thrown in for good measure. Can't forget the tomfoolery. No, that would be outrageous. All right. Can I do my number 10 now? So my number... I'll do my number 10. (laughs) (laughs) No, go ahead. (laughs) So my number 10 is a movie based on a TV show. I hope so. 
And the TV show was not a scripted TV show. My number 10 is The Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. Based on The Crocodile Hunter. (laughs) Did this come onto your list because of PETA attacking Steve Irwin last week? No. (laughs) I, I will say that it was... Yeah, a, a strange coincidence about attack. It, I mean, <laughs> it was his birthday last week. It was uh, there was a Google Doodle. Peta got on everyone's bad side by talking bad about Steve Irwin. But yeah, I I, I genuinely genuinely enjoyed this movie um, back around when it came out. Um, so the story is that they're filming their show um and one of the crocodiles that they're hunting not hunting but one of the crocodiles they're featuring i would would hope not it is the crocodile hunter that's true which is always what's funny about that um but uh the story is that the satellite crashes and this uh crocodile eats the satellite and it's the cia and a bunch of other people trying to get the satellite back because it's uh an important government satellite from what i remember and they're going about their business filming their documentary and it they happen to feature this crocodile and then everyone you know just kind of comes around and there's some poachers there's cia agents there's um and they're all just trying to get this satellite and they 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 think that they're trying to hunt the crocodile itself and the people trying to get the satellite think that they're trying that the Irwins are trying to keep the satellite for themselves to fund the zoo so it's all all mass confusion and it's it, it is a blast of a movie um i was reading some trivia on it earlier too all of Steve Irwin's lines were improvised. They just let him film his documentary as if they were filming the documentary and then just briefed him on what else is going to be happening. And he ad-libbed almost all of it. That makes sense. Because he's not an actor. Yeah. But, I mean, that's about all I have to say about Crocodile Hunter Collision Course. Well, what all do you like about it? You know, other well, than just that Steve Irwin. Um. Well, I like Steve Irwin. I always have. Um, who doesn't? Um, the Stingray. <laughs> you better it damn was well just put a, a min- shot there. It was just a misunderstanding <laughs> between. <laughs> oh. Okay, go ahead. But, no, I, I like that it's all, like, everyone is trying to get the same thing for different reasons thinking that other people it's the mass confusion um i don't know it's been a long i think i saw when it first came out it has been a while since i've watched it about this movie the only thing i noticed while looking it up just now is it was produced by bruce willis yes it was (laughs) figure that one out (laughs) of all the projects in hollywood at that time bruce willis looked at the list and went ah what's the one that's oh yeah crocodile hunter (laughs) But yeah, no. And then just just the mix of the the actual like documentary features of it with the big budget movie, um, and 
Yeah. Hmm. It has been a while since I've seen it, but I mm-hmm. had to include it. Okay. And we will, we didn't say it at the top, but we will preface everybody. There will be spoilers for every movie we talk about on this show. Yep. So if you haven't seen these, uh, when we say them, just skip ahead a little bit or go watch them because they're all movies that we think are good and worth your time. So just getting that out there. Yep. Okay. Anything else on Crocodile Hunter? Nope. That's it. Okay. My number 10 is the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, or Twilight Zone, the movie, if you want to say it, from 1983. Um, has quite a few directors. John Landis, Spielberg, Joe Dante, George Miller of Mad Max fame. So I'll do a quick little recap. If you don't know, Twilight Zone was an old TV show back in the day, old black and white show. Each episode uh, was a self-contained story about something odd or supernatural or just out there. And when it came time to do a movie, Instead of coming up with just one story to kind of do, because the shows were only a half hour long, so you wouldn't have really worked to stretch those out into a full movie length. When it come time to do a movie, they thought, well, let's do something different. So each director took their favorite episode of the series, and they adapted that for the big screen with that the, the actors of that time, and with a cold open and a, a, a kind of a button for the end uh, that have nothing to do with, with the four main stories. Um, have you seen the Twilight Zone movie, Cody? I've seen bits of it. I think I've seen portion. I think I've seen segments of it. Okay. Um, so like I said, there are four segments. Uh, my, I think they, they do, let me see my notes here. Uh, they do Time Out, which is, if you remember the famous story of the kid that, that basically wills his family out to the cornfield. Mm Mm-hmm. That's like he's like this little brat that has like powers to like kind of do and control whatever he wants. And that was John Landis. That's a very uh Oh wait, no, that's that's it's a good life. That's Joe Dante. Time out is John Landis. That's the one of a older guy who gets kind of transported back to Nazi Germany. And interesting story about that one, this movie has a little controversy around it. Uh, originally in the script, there was a scene where Vic Morrow, who played the actor in that specific segment, uh, also gets sucked back in time to Vietnam. They had two child actors that he was supposed to save from this village from being bombed by the American forces, a helicopter. And he was supposed to run away with them uh, while the helicopter while explosions were going on. Well, they screwed up and set the fireworks off, the explosions at the wrong time. Helicopter lost control, crashing into Vic Morrow and the kids, decapitating them. So the movie kind of is infamous for the reason that it had uh, death on set. John Landis, the producers, John Landis, the director, were sued. Uh, the kids were not supposed to be filming late at night, which they were. So there was a lot of controversy around that. But the movie itself is still a really fun movie. Spielberg does probably my least favorite segment, which is surprising because it's Steven Spielberg. It's still a sweet story. It's the one called Kick the Cam, where this older, these older people in a retirement home basically become younger. And kind of relive their golden days, which is, which is fun. But in terms of like what I want of a Twilight Zone movie, it wasn't what I wanted. But it's still a fun segment. My favorite is George Miller's, which is Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. Mm-hmm. Which, to a lot of people, you hear that, you know what that segment is. It's the famous William Shatner, there's a man on the wing of the plane. You know, that famous. But this one is John Lithgow. And you know me, I love John Lithgow, and that is one of the best segments. It's my favorite segment of the movie. It is so bonkers and just crazy. And the way George Miller is a director, it's so much fun. And the cold open with Dan Aykroyd and uh, uh, Albert Brooks is 
awesome too. It's just a fun early 80s sci-fi horror film throwback to the Twilight Zone show, which I love the Twilight Zone show. And I'm very excited about the reboot by Jordan Peele coming out in April. Mm -hmm. So Twilight Zone has always been one of my favorite movies. And I'd like to get it one of these days on on physical. But it's always one of those where I see it on TV. I got to watch it. You know, it's just a, a guilty pleasure for me. So that's why that's my number 10. All right. And yeah, I have seen the segments about the terror at 20,000 feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's I, I, the music stuck in my head now. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just a fun movie. They even got Burgess Meredith, you know, to do the narration in the beginning, you know, who was on a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, the most famous one being the one where his glasses break. Mm-hmm. It was time now, you know. So it's just a fun throwback to that old show. You know, putting aside all the atrocity, the, the horrifying thing that happened while filming, it's still it's it's a fun movie and it's kind of neat because you can definitely tell the style of each director when each segment comes around. Right. You know, you can definitely tell. Oh, that's we definitely have their Spielberg. Or they have their yeah. Oh, absolutely. You can definitely tell that's definitely a Spielberg. Joe Dante's segment with the kid that can do whatever he wants with his family and stuff looks a lot like the stuff he like Gremlins. You know, so it's just it's a fun anthology movie. Yeah, uh, that's my number ten. All right. Okay. So we'll move on to my number nine, which I wonder if it'll be a punt. My number nine is Wayne's World. Not a punt. No punt? Nothing? No. Um, Really? I I wanted to keep... I I tried to keep myself from doing too much Saturday Night Live. Too much Saturday Night Live? Oh, (laughs) okay. I, I... I, I limited myself to one, and we'll get to it later. Okay. I, I, I didn't even think of that one, and now I'm pissed off because I know what it probably is. <laughs> uh, okay. So we'll talk about Wayne's World real quick because we kind of talked about it a little bit on our Chris Farley episode. If you want to hear some of that, you can go back and listen to that. It's episode two. Uh, so those of you who don't know, Wayne's World is based on an SNL sketch uh, starring Mike Myers and Dana Carvey as two kind of heavy metal or hard rock guys, you know, classic rock. Uh, guys who host a TV show out of uh, Wayne's parents' basement. It's a public uh, cable access show, and throughout the course of the movie, they get a deal to kind of broadcast to a wider audience, and Wayne falls in love with this rocker, and just the shenanigans that happen during the movie. And it is one of the funniest movies. I love Wayne's World. Uh, Mike Myers and Dana Carvey have like the some of the best chemistry oh, yeah. uh, of any movie. And as we saw Sunday night at the Oscars, they could do it even now, and they're both pushing 60, if not 60 already, you know? <laughs> like, um, But Wayne's World is a lot of fun. Rob Lowe plays the bad guy, and he's Rob Lowe's always so good at that type of part, just like in Tommy Boy, where he's kind of that sleazy kind of just, ah, Rob Lowe, just stop, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got arguably one of the best scenes in movie history with the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody scene mm-hmm. in the car. Um, which is big enough that they even have Mike Myers reference that scene in the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> which is and incredible. The reason, I mean, that Wayne and Garth announced the nomination for exactly, uh, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody at the at the festivities last exactly. Sunday. Exactly, it's just all the way around. There are so many memorable scenes and quotable moments. I love, you know, the. <laughs> he tries to play stairway to heaven on at the store and the guy, Hey, he points to the sign, no stairway to heaven. You know, it's just, just the little stuff they do. That is the, the, this, the little bits. It almost is like an SNL. It really is it, an SNL. It sketch really is. And it really is. And my favorite, I think one of my 
um, favorite lines that I quote all the time um, when they're riding in the car and the the one guy is getting sick and uh, Garth <laughs> just pulls out this tiny little <laughs> paper cup, bag. It? It's a it's a little paper bag for something. I don't I don't or it might have been a Dixie cup. But it's if you're gonna spew spew into this. <laughs> It's his face when he says that, you know, just like, like, like he's almost like he's going to keep it, you know, but he's so proud of how prepared he is. Uh But in reality, that's, there's no way that there's no way, but no, all the time I'll find like a little cup or little bag. If you're going to spew, spew into this. (laughs) (laughs) It's just absolutely one of the funniest movies and, and to be based off a sketch, and to create a story that's that fun mm-hmm. and that interesting for an hour and a half was incredible. And Wayne's World 2 is funny. It's not anywhere near as good as the first one, but it's still their chemistry makes that one watchable. But definitely Wayne, the first Wayne's World had to be on my list, and that's why it was my number nine. All right. Um, so my number nine, um, this was one of the ones that I didn't actually realize was based on a TV show. Um, so my number nine is Wild Wild West mm. mm-hmm. with Will Smith and Kevin Klein and uh, Kenneth Branagh and Kenneth Branagh and uh, Salma Hayek and Ted Levine. Levine. Oh, that's right, Ted Levine. I love Ted Levine for what you know, the which I did not know scientist. was him for a long time. <laughs> I watched that movie a lot without realizing that was Ted Levine. <laughs> Well, what I never realized was that Kevin Klein actually played the president too. Yeah, that one took yeah, me way plays, too long. Yeah, isn't that cool? Um, but you know, for those who don't know, uh, Wild Wild West is about um, a U.S. marshal and a um, army captain teaming up, and it's a it, it's a it's a buddy comedy, but they don't get along, and they're kind of competing with each other while having the same goal of catching. Um, Kenneth Branagh's character, uh, Bloodbath McGrath. It's um, no Bloodbath McGrath. It's Ted Levine. No, yeah, right. Uh, what's his name? Should know it. I watched that movie a lot. Or proving that he proving that he is the one that um, is actually behind the deaths and um, that he's planning to assassinate the he's, president. He's Doc Doctor Loveless. Doctor Loveless. Yes. Um. With the greatest cinematic beard of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think the, the best Wild West technology as well, um, from the giant spider to mm-hmm. even, even his wheelchair. It's full on steampunk the, all the, the way. And yeah, the steam powered electric, well, not electric wheelchair, but the steam powered automatic wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the train car that is all, um, which is Kevin Klein's character's train, or well, it's Grant's train car. No, whose train no, car? No, it says it's, it's okay. Gordon's. Gordon's train car, um, with all of the gadgets and booby traps and, um, yeah, I, I always liked Wild Wild West. It's one of those movies that I can watch anytime it's on. Um, the the on screen um, bickering between. West and Gordon. Was probably real because Kevin Klein has come out in interviews and said working with Will Smith was an absolute nightmare. (laughs) 
and he would never do it again. So the so the no bickering sequel. the bickering was probably real. <laughs> True. Um but no, I always I always liked that movie and finding out that it was based on a TV show from the 60s um gave me an excuse to put it on my list. Yeah, I uh I didn't put it on mine, but it would definitely be in the top 15. Mm-hmm. I love Wild Wild West. In terms of quality, I think that's why I couldn't put it on here. Just because it isn't the best, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it's ridiculous, which I think is why I like it. I love Kenneth Branagh as Dr. Loveless. He's one of my favorite villains because he's just he's, he's crazy. And when his wheelchair grows legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just a, a bonkers movie. It's basically Wild Wild, or it's basically uh, Men in Black in the Wild West. Right. Which it is. I mean, it's it the same director, it's the same writer, it's the same actor. You know, like, that's absolutely what they were doing. They were trying to recapture that Men in Black. Uh, but Wild Wild West, I agree, is one that if it's on, I can sit and watch it. Because it's just pure popcorn yep. film. You know, and it's it's just, it's fun. Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh is great. Kevin Klein, I love him in that movie. I like Kevin Klein anyway. Mm-hmm. But his his straight man, he's really good at that in that movie. So yeah, like I said, it's not on my list, but I, I really do enjoy Wild Wild West. I'm happy you have it on yours, so at least it's on someone's. <laughs> at least we can talk about it for a little bit. Well, that's right. It's got a good good score, too. I think Elmer Bernstein did it. And he's a big old Western guy. Mm-hmm. So. Not talking about Will Smith's song, <laughs> which is objectively fantastic, but the score is good. Right. The, <laughs> yeah, the definite old Western hints of music. and mm-hmm. Well, not hints, but... And, and I love Western, so have, I, I call this Western light. But it's still fun. Right. So. All right. Do you have anything more to add on Wild Wild West? No. No. Just a fun movie. All right. So dropping down to my number eight. And this is where I think will be the first punt. So for my number eight, I put the Adams Family. Punt. Okay. <laughs> yep. Punt. I was on a little Sonnenfield kick for a second. Punt, there. punt, 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 punt. Uh, I'll tell you right now, I love Barry Sonnenfeld, so mm-hmm. uh, I'll agree with you on that. So we punted his, which means Cody has it lower on his list, so we'll do my number eight now. So there are a couple like this on my list that I kind of cheated. This is going to be the first one, but I do have a specific one that is like my favorite, I guess I'll say, so I'll, I'll talk mostly about that one. But I'm talking about Star Trek. Okay. Um, so my number eight is Star Trek, and I I, I put two th- the, the the 2009 one, the newest, the new the the, the reboot, the first reboot or the first yes. of the reboot series. Okay. Yes. Um, I could arguably have put Wrath of Khan there, which is incredible. I love First Contact as well. Honestly, I probably could, should have put First Contact here because it probably is my favorite. But in terms of kind of a um cultural impact, I feel like 2009 is better because it kind of. It definitely set the the image and tone for even the new Star Wars movies. And you know, I could have something to do, obviously, with J.J. Abrams doing both, you know, rebooting both. But in terms of the way kind of those sci-fi movies are kind of done now, I feel like Star Trek from 2009 kind of started that. The look and everything, you know, with that, the lens flares and stuff. And I think the, ninth, uh, the 2009 uh, film brought it into the general. I mean, and, Star yeah. Trek has always been the nerds 
series, very, the nerds very movies. Very niche, very niche audience. But yeah. I, I think it brought Star Trek into the mainstream. Oh, I'll tell you right now, it did for me. I, I you and I went and saw it. Yeah. Together, um, a few of us went and saw it. One of us, one of the guys went with us. Huge Trekkie. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up with it. I could care less. I didn't want to go. If you remember correctly, I mm-hmm. had no interest in Star Trek. I was always more of a Star Wars fan. When I was younger, I was always in that, you know, Star Wars, Baron, Star Trek. Now, I love them both. It don't matter. But that movie opened me up to Star Trek. I love Star Trek now. Still, I, I'm going to get crucified for it, but I still am not a big fan of the original series. I understand its importance, and there are some moments I love, but it's too campy for me. I've always been a next generation person. I've always now. been next generation as well. Yes. Uh, Patrick um, Stewart. Yes, absolutely. Which makes me so excited he's coming back for a show. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it definitely opened my eyes to Star Trek, and it gets points for that. So I kind of feel like that's why I put that one on my list because it's the one that introduced me to really loving the world of Star Trek and all it has to offer. Um, and it's just a lot of fun. Chris Pine is awesome as Captain Kirk. The standout to me, uh, and I think you're going to think I'm going to say Zachary Quinto as Spock, which he is really good. But I love Carl Urban as Bones. I was thinking Bones, too. I think he's the one that captured... Yeah, Zachary Quinto was a really good spot. But I think Carl Urban captured the spirit of uh, DeForest Kelly, uh, the, the original Bones, the most. You know, he brought the most. And he in subsequent sequels, he, he did even more. But I think he did the best. And I, I love Carl Urban anyway. But it's just so much fun. It's, it's fast-paced. The score is awesome awesome it's michael giacchino who i really like as a composer and you know he uses those old themes um but no i really do like this like i said i I could put any of them on this list you know the original or wrath of khan is is arguably probably the best um first contact is probably my favorite but in terms of the one that really opened me up to the world of star trek and made me love star trek that is, is 2009 that's why i had to put that one as on my list as number eight yeah and i think i'll have to agree that that was the one that really brought star trek to me because i was I, mm-hmm. I had always wanted to i had an uncle who was a, a trekkie that would record uh next generation every week and he had mm-hmm. piles of cassettes of the next generation recorded and really? i had never had the time to get into it or the resources because unless yeah. you know, going over because yeah. the streaming systems weren't around then so you'd have to go rent the vhs box sets which mm-hmm. um, yeah and i mean like looking at next generation all that episodes are the full hour well 40 minutes with commercials but that'd be it it's really time consuming but I, again once i got into the the reboot series i did go back and watch a lot of the next generation um that was i think the biggest one that i got into and watched i feel like that one has um you know strong messages and Everything is, I, I, I think, yeah, more memorable for. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, Shatner. You can't undercut Shatner, but as far he as he won't allow you to undercut him. <laughs> as far as having um, the the message, it's not just a battle and you know winning the battle and winning the fight. Um, Next generation actually you know, taught about. Yeah, friendship and diplomacy. Diplomacy and as opposed to, like you said, dropping down to the planet and beating the hell out of the first thing you see. Right. Which, which is fun. It's pulp, and that's exactly what mm-hmm. they were going for with the original. You know, like I'm not discrediting that at all, but 
I just, like you said, feel like Next Generation took it to a more adult and, like you said, more it's more diplomatic. It's it's more, how can we do this without having to do that? It's not to say they didn't do that right? every now and then, but it just made it more a more layered and expansive story, I felt like, mm-hmm. with Next Generations. And, and First Contact, we're going to stick to movies, I guess. First Contact is awesome. Right. I love Star Trek First Contact. The Borg are one of my top favorite. You know, they, they could have been on my list of villains, but I felt like they're more of like a big group, so I didn't. But the mm-hmm. Borg are such an imposing villain that they can just take over anybody and just do that to you is objectively scary, you know? Yeah. Uh, so First Contact, I love. But yeah, it's it's Next Generation has got to be my favorite of the series. So that's, you know, a roundabout way of saying, yeah, that's why it's my number uh, number eight, the 2009 one. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I think it's definitely accessible to anyone who's not a Star Trek fan. You know, that's the one to show them because it's 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 very... J.J. Abrams did a good job of, like I said, making it accessible to people who have no clue of this world. Right. So, yeah. well, yeah, that's my eight. Anything else, Cody? No, I think we're good. Okay, now we do blah, blah, my seven, correct? Yep. Hold on. Okay, so my number seven um, is one that a lot of people might not realize is based on a TV show. Uh, my number seven is The Fugitive. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. So, uh, let me see what year the show was. Based on The Fugitive. So, The Fugitive was... 1967, the show, and the movie was uh, early 90s. Uh, Fugitive is about a doctor who uh, gets arrested for the murder of his wife, and he knows he didn't do it. He got framed for it, basically. But you, you know, you, you learn that throughout the course of the movie about who did it, and it's basically about him. Uh, the bus crashes that he's on, the, the transport bus for prison. He gets out and is trying to go back to find the people who murdered his wife. The one-armed man, which was the main villain of the show, too. So it was kind of cool they brought that over into the movie. Um, and the U.S. Marshals that are on his case, which is Tommy Lee Jones. And it is one of the best thrillers I've ever seen. I love The Fugitive. Uh, it's another one that, if it's on, I can sit and watch it. Harrison Ford is really good as that type of character. That's, you know, I, you know they, they always make fun of it on Family Guy. Him always saying, you know, I didn't kill my family. You know, all that stuff. And about how his family always gets taken and stuff. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones is very good as he's not the antagonist, but you don't want him to catch Harrison Ford because Harrison Ford didn't do it. And he's the good guy, but you also don't want Tommy Lee Jones to not get him because that's his job. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he's, he's, he's the threat because if he catches Harrison Ford, that's it. You know, he's already been convicted. But Tommy Lee Jones is really good at skirting that line that you still like him and want him to catch him because it's his job. You know, so it was, it's a fun dynamic in that movie of I want Harrison Ford to clear his name, but I also want Tommy Lee Jones to be able to get him or be able to help him get whoever did it. And, you know, they ultimately do. Um, and Tommy Lee Jones actually won an Oscar for his role in that movie. And they did a sequel, U.S. Marshals, which we won't talk about. <laughs> um but no, The Fugitive is a really good movie. And I knew when we created, decided on this list, that had to be on my top ten. Because The Fugitive is just a good thriller. And it's it's set in Chicago, which is fun. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Am I fugitive. allowed to admit that I haven't seen The Fugitive? No, go ahead. I haven't seen Fine The Fugitive. No, you should watch Fugitive. It's, it truly is a good movie. It's a good thriller, and it's a breezy thriller too. It it it's a really fast paced movie. Um, one of my favorite movie quotes comes from it, where uh, Harrison Ford's cornered by Tommy Lee Jones, and Harrison Ford, you know, has been chased by him for like almost the whole movie, and he turns to Tommy Lee Jones and goes, "I didn't kill my wife." Tommy Lee Jones looks him dead in the eye and just goes, "I don't care," <laughs> you know, <laughs> just just straight up just. I don't care because he doesn't care. It doesn't matter to him. That's not why he's after you. You know, my goal is to track you down because you escaped from a prison bus. You know, and, and that's the fun of the movie is right. just doing his job. You know, exactly. he's not a bad guy. He's just my job is to hunt you down because you are escaped. Doesn't matter if you're innocent and guilty. You, you you know, but you want Harrison Ford to find that one armed man. So it's just it's a fun, fun movie, uh, fun, good, good thriller. So I definitely recommend it. So I'm small tangent. I'm sitting here thinking. This is the second thing that you've mentioned, the second movie that you've had on your list that I remember them parodying on Johnny Bravo. <laughs> like I remember the the, the Twilight Zone parody where mm-hmm. they would the cornfield send him to the cornfield, and I don't remember what the whole plot of the story was, but I remember can very distinctly remember Johnny Bravo running around yelling, "It was the two armed guy." And I'm thinking now oh, that, one that, armed man. that... Oh, the two-armed man. It, it, it was the two-armed man. And that's obviously a reference to the fugitive. It was the one-armed it's, man. Yeah, for sure. I don't remember the rest of the context, but that's the second time I've thought about Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Probably uh, in the last 15 years that I've thought of Johnny Bravo. <laughs> yeah, that, that always makes... Whenever I watch the Twilight Zone movie, I, I definitely think of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny Bravo episode, which I believe was narrated by James Earl Jones, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, that's that's a fun fun reference. <laughs> so that was uh, my number seven. All right. So my number seven is George of the Jungle. Nowhere near my list. <laughs> I like George of the Jungle. And I probably shouldn't have had it this high on my list <laughs> I, it probably should have been my number nine or ten a little further earlier um but i mean what what can't you like about george of the jungle brendan frazier john cleese <laughs> leslie mann i do like brendan frazier i'll give you that um we won't talk about the second one because it wasn't brendan frazier and the fact that they mentioned that <laughs> they it's not Brendan Fraser. They made a second one, and the narrator actually says, wait a minute, you're not Brendan Fraser." <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, straight to DVD, don't bother. Um, but, you know, George of the Jungle, Leslie Mann's character is out on uh, safari, and her fiancé surprises her because he's looking for the white ape and he has some poachers with them um and they really end up looking for you know george of the jungle um who lives with the apes um his best friend an ape named ape played by john cleese and it's <laughs> it's just a laugh a minute movie that you really don't think it's gonna go well for anything or for anyone and i mean i don't know we we can argue this will definitely not be on our combined top ten. But... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, no the the pet elephant the the ape named ape the 
the sarcasm of ape is <laughs> and because he's you know mm-hmm. much more somehow much more educated than the human living among the apes i just remember thomas hayden church plays the villain he is the the fiance that yeah and um, that was very it was like the first thing i ever saw him in and he was so damn creepy <laughs> and he's still creepy looking now but i just remember like he was just really creepy in that movie and i will admit when i was younger i loved that movie as i got older less and less less and less i realized it wasn't one of brendan fraser's best <laughs> no uh, i'll watch i'll watch and see no man first <laughs> yeah it, i'll watch airheads first <laughs> oh i love airheads too it's a good one uh-huh. he's I, well brendan fraser tangent uh he's kind of resurged in the last uh year or two uh he kind of was in nothing for like like eight or almost ten years uh the phone stopped ringing he said and uh he kind of had a resurgence and i'm watching a show called doom patrol right now on dc universe which is a really good superhero show if anyone likes that type of stuff and he's a voice of a character on that show called named robot man and he's on there in flashbacks as himself he's really good it made me remember why i loved brendan Fraser and why he was so awesome back in the day you know so this is a little tangent for anyone who likes brendan Fraser. go watch doom patrol because he's really good on that show and it's a good show and, and i love i do love brendan Fraser, but yeah. you know no i mean <laughs> in in all honesty the movie it it was one of those movies that was i mean so bad it was good i mean mm-hmm. it very ridiculous um I think that's the joy of it. I mean, it has me, it. I've watched it recently, and it still had me laughing, even at the stupidest jokes. Mm-hmm. And no, it's it's a good him going him going into a tree. Yeah, him running. Watch out for the tree. <laughs> um, I can just randomly quote the theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the I mean. It was just as ridiculous as the show because the show, original show it was a me- meant to be a Tarzan parody. It was, the whole thing yeah. is a parody. Um, yeah. So it's not like if if you look at it, not high art. Yeah, it's it's not high art. It's it is what it is. I Which like is George fine. of the Jungle. Like, I mean, there there there's definitely one coming up on my list that uh is definitely supposed to be a lowbrow, you know, goofy. So you can get away with it, definitely. I just, you know, just, I don't know, Georgia Jungle is a little too goofy for me. But Brendan Fraser is is good. And I do like Brendan Fraser a lot. And that was back when it was ripped Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Not doughy, not doughy Brendan <laughs> Fraser that we have now. Which, still love Brendan Fraser. But, you know. <laughs> All right. So, 10, 9, 8, 7. So on to my number six. Yo, number six. My number six is um, Serenity based on the show firefly and let's preface before uh, again to let everyone get pissed off at me never watched firefly never seen serenity so cody this is all you <laughs> <laughs> so firefly um was a joss whedon show um about a uh a starship captain played by not brendan Fraser. oh <laughs> that's nathan fillion which i think him and Brendan Fraser could play brothers in something. Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> that, Make that, this happen, Hollywood. That's that's the joke around um, between my roommates and I is there's Brendan Fraser and not Brendan Fraser. Fraser, Fraser and Fillion. <laughs> it writes itself. Fraser and Fillion. Um, but um, oh, now I want a Fraser reboot too. 
with Brendan Fraser as Martin Crane, because he's dead. It'd be perfect. We've got ourselves a show. Now we need a budget. <laughs> yeah. Let's start a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Firefly was kind of screwed by Fox. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, as they always do. As, as Fox is best at. Um, it was one season, not even a whole season. Um, it was pushed out of the way by football. It was, you know, aired out of order. The first episode that aired, I think, was actually like the sixth or seventh story episode. Hmm. So um, Fox doomed the show from the start. Um, but it's it, it's basically... Uh, a show about a um, starship captain, a Firefly ship captain, and his crew basically, um, you know, doing bounty hunter work, finding work where they can, um, and then the you know story arcs episode to episode. Um, but when the show was canceled, it was left on a. It was just left, so Joss Whedon actually was able to make a movie to finish off the story. And it's, um, it was, it was definitely a interesting way to end the series. I was kind of mad that they killed one of my favorite characters. I don't want to spoil it too much for when Nick finally, you know, Oh, festers up and, um, nope, spoil the hell out of it. I don't care. But, uh, when they killed Alan Tudyk's character, watch, what? <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, he's on Doom Patrol. <laughs> Who's not on Doom Patrol? No, Alan Tudyk's on Doom Patrol. But um, I, I cried. <laughs> um, uh, how surprising! Joss Whedon killed a fan favorite character. Well, that's par for the course, right? Absolutely. But and it was, you know, I think two of the main characters ended up surviving. And going on, um, but no, it was definitely a good ending to a great series. And it's been I I really wish I would have gotten a chance to rewatch this this week before we started recording. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I remember really loving Firefly, and Serenity was a good a good ending to where they there's not much they can do to reboot it unfortunately um it's nice that he was able to do that a lot of shows that get canceled early don't get that chance for closure and it was kind of neat joss whedon was able to do that and he's i mean he's one of those directors that does his own thing anyway um, oh because he did dr horrible's Mm sing-along blog during the writer's strike him and his Mm -hmm. brothers wrote it (laughs) and did i mean they did the whole movie without official writers and so yeah he's definitely been one to just get stuff done that he wants to do and have fun with. Oh, you don't have to tell me. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is one of my top five television shows of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm a huge Joss Whedon fan. It's just not a show I've gotten around to watch. I don't know if it's just because... I don't know. I can't say I know it's because it was canceled because I watch a lot of stuff that's been canceled over the years. You know, it's just... I don't know. Just yeah. It's not high on my list to kind of get through. And I know I'll like it because I like Joss Whedon. I like his his writing sensibilities, but... I don't know. Just yeah. haven't gotten around to it. And I mean, I know some people that haven't watched it because it's so short. I mean, I think the that show was could be what it is. I think the show was seven or eight episodes, and then the movie. Yeah. Um. So you're you're done with it in a weekend if you try hard enough. 
Yeah, which I try hard at nothing. Let's be honest. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but someday, someday I'll, I'll at least watch the movie. Someday I can commit yeah. to that probably. Yeah, I mean, if, if only to watch Alan Tudyk be in the whole film. <laughs> if that doesn't happen, I'm just, I'm just turning it right off. <laughs> no, great movie. I'm gonna rewatch it this week. Okay, <laughs> good deal. Okay, and we'll do uh, my number six and finish off our uh, top five here. My number six. It's also based on a TV show. Figure that out. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also on a show that only lasted about six episodes. Uh, my number six is uh, Naked Gun, uh, the Leslie Nielsen comedy. And honestly, I kind of put like the whole series, but I'll just pick the first one just to make it just, you know, it's the first one for our list. Uh, Naked Gun, for, I did not realize for the longest time that was based off an old TV show with Leslie Nielsen, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, the show was a parody of a cop show of the time, but the movie itself is a parody of all kind of cop shows and action movies and cop movies. And The Naked Gun is basically like one of the first big spoof movies. Mel Brooks had been doing it for years, obviously. Um, but this was like the first really, really goofy, stupid humor parody movies you know mel brooks's humor was always stupid but was well written and and naked guns well written but was more smart whereas naked gun wasn't afraid to just be really dumb uh i mean right off the bat they cast oj um, i forgot oj was in. <laughs> he's in all three the third one i think came out like a year before he was arrested for killing his wife allegedly so we don't get sued um but the naked gun movies i love they're another one, just like the other ones on my list. If they're on TV, I can sit and watch them. They're really short. They're not even, I don't think, an hour and a half. But they're just basically a skit and then another skit and then another skit. Uh, that first movie, uh, the plot of the first one is basically they find out someone is going to try to kill. Uh, the queen is coming to the, to the United States. And she's going to a baseball game. And someone's going to try to kill her during the game. And it's Ricardo Montalban, which is Khan from Star Trek. Uh, and he, the whole final act takes, takes place at the major league baseball game. And Leslie Nielsen's there and has to basically, it's my whole my favorite sequence of the movie is the whole last, the, the, the climax. Uh, and there are funny bits throughout the whole film, really stupid stuff, but there's a moment where he has to act like he is the opera singer that's singing the national anthem. So he can be down on the field to kind of, you know, scope things out. And the guy's name is Enrico Palazzo and they announce him as that. That's the opera singer. His name's Frank Drebin. And he sings really terribly, whatever. Then later in the movie, he is the umpire for for the game. So he can frisk all the players that come up to bat, which is objectively funny already. But he calls, you know, the, the ball comes in and they're waiting for him to call striker ball. And he sits there for a second, kind of like, what's everyone looking at? And then he just goes strike and the audience you know everyone cheers you know and he gets this kind of goofy look on his face like oh i kind of like that they're cheering the ball comes in you know you know striking and he goes strike and they all cheer like he gets warmer into it it becomes this whole segment where like he just keeps calling strike and he starts dancing and stuff and at one point he calls strike before the ball even gets in the guy the guy's glove (laughs) in the catcher's glove just because he wants people to cheer um and at the end he foils the plot he pulls off the umpire mask 
because they're like, who who saved the queen? Because the police chief is there, and obviously she would know Leslie Nielsen. He pulls off the mask, and my favorite joke of the whole movie, he pulls off the mask, and everyone's like, oh, and a guy in the audience, because Leslie Nielsen's expecting them to go, oh, it's Frank Drebin. A guy in the audience goes, it's Enrico Palazzo, <laughs> which was the opera singer, and he gets this look like, wait, what? No. And they all cheer for him, and it's just, like, the Naked Gun is, again, not high art. It is really stupid comedy, but it's really well-written, smart stupid comedy you know and the parody is really well done the second one is just as funny the third one just as funny but i'm going with the first one because it's the first one you know but i love the naked gun and all the stupid movie parodies and just dumb stuff but mostly for enrico palazzo <laughs> um and before I move, we move on just my other favorite joke at the end spoilers of course when ricardo montalban gets killed <laughs> he falls over the edge of the stadium, falls to the ground, you know, and he's laying on, on the pavement. And of course, uh, a car goes by and runs over his body. And then a marching band comes and they're marching and walking over him, you know, and then a steamroller goes over him. And uh, Leslie Nielsen's partner walks up and he starts getting teary eyed. and He goes, Oh, it's just so hard to watch. And Leslie Nielsen goes, I know. And I know. And his partner goes, my father went the same way. <laughs> just so stupid it is just such a the, the joke a minute in that movie is is phenomenal and i that's why yeah. I, I had to be on my list and you know the show was short-lived it's like six episodes and the movie was like six years after that but it went on to become like it solidified leslie nielsen as as like a comedic genius for like the rest right. of his career doing that type of stuff and i love leslie nielsen so i'm happy of it for that but yeah naked gun absolutely is my number six yeah, and he moved on to airplane real quick after that too wasn't that Air, airplane was before airplane that was before. airplane was the first movie that he the first thing he did that really showed he could do comedy okay. he was a serious actor up to that point right. um that's why it was funny when they cast him in airplane which was the same people that did naked gun mm. the reason they cast him in airplane was because they wanted someone who was serious to play the role he played because they thought that'd be funny. And he showed he could play that kind of... Because the whole point of Frank Drebin, his character Naked Gun, is he's he's serious and doesn't realize how stupid he is. You know? Right. So everything he does and everything that he says, he thinks is serious. Like, he's always played straight, but it's stupid. You know? And that's what he was in air, Airplane. I think that's what got him the role on the show and then the movies. And it kind of exploded his parody career after that. So... Rest in peace, Leslie Nielsen. Mm -hmm. You will be missed. That's my six. All right. So, as usual, <laughs> in the midst of our top ten list, we like to take a little break, um, get the get the set changed around for Act Two. Um, but in the meantime, during our intermission, we look at our box office draft. We have a couple updates on that um, of course nick bought how to train your dragon uh the hidden world because it's not just three <sighs> um last week for 35 million and almost doubled his money on that purchase oh, yeah. um i bought fighting with uh, my family and lost out so again Nick has, so far, uh, the Lego movie, The Prodigy, Happy Death Day to You, and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, for a total profit of $97.2 million. 
I, but we're just going to say 97, 97 to make it easier on everybody. Right. Uh, so 97 million, and I have Cold Pursuit, What Men Want, Isn't It Romantic, Alita, Battle Angel, and Fighting With My Family for a total of 120 million. So I'm still on top. Alita had a great second weekend. Um, Surprisingly, for sure. Um, Cold Pursuit's still hanging in there, incremental progress. Um fighting with my family was is probably going to break even and that be about it mm-hmm. um but nick yeah how to train your dragon pulling in 60 million over opening weekend happy death day to you has come up to break even yeah um disappointed with that one because apparently it's really good and i hate to see a movie that's good do bad you know Right, and of course, Lego Movie is still going strong. Um, That's good to hear. So, a um, couple new movies this weekend. We've got um, Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral and Greta. I will tell you, I've heard a lot more about the Medea movie than I have about Greta. I've heard nothing about Greta until like a week ago, and now I see commercials for it all the time. Right. It's just it's, a thriller, basically. Right. It's And it's a sudden, mm-hmm. a nice quick release. So Yeah. Yep. For our bids, um, we'll start out with the Medea family funeral. I, I know it'll probably be a big one, because it's supposed to be the last one, I believe. I think so, yeah. Or it, it's some sort of finale. It's a finale to something, be it the Medea character or... Tyler Perry's career. <laughs> or what, we don't know. Um, <laughs> but I am I did a low bid on it. I I only bid $10 million. <laughs> Well, I bid two, so it's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on to Greta. Um, again, we've heard very little about it up until just mm-hmm. recently. Um, re- early reviews have been really good for it, so hopefully that'll get it some some love. Right. So uh, go ahead with your bid, Nick. I bid five million. I also put ten for this one. <laughs> That's all yours. So looks like I get both picks this weekend at ten million a pop and. We'll see if that does anything good for me. I am want to spend any money this week. I'm I, saving up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're you're just gonna I'm ride on Lego and Dragon and 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 I'm saving up for next week. <laughs> yeah. Next week for me to bid one more dot one dollar more than you have. <laughs> you better not. <laughs> All right. So Medea and Greta are in the books. We will see where it goes from here. Continuing on to Act 2, our top five, ladies and gentlemen, starting with Nick's top five, which is... My number five is 21 Jump Street uh, from 2000, I believe, 2011. With Jonah Hill and Chatham. (laughs) Chatham. Tanning Chatham. Tanning Chatham. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, 2012. I was wrong. Um, so 21 Jump Street, based on the old 80s uh, cop show about uh, these police officers who go undercover in high school uh, to kind of expose 
high school crime, I guess, drugs and and hickeys and whatnot. Um, and the smart thing they decided to do with this movie, because it's the same plot, t- uh, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill play two police officers who went to school together and hated each other, but now are, are good friends. Um, they get called up to be in the, the Jump Street division. And they get put into high school to go into cover at this specific high school because there's a drug going around that's killing kids. And their goal is to find out what's going on. And the smart thing they did with this movie is it's a parody of itself. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a parody of those of, of the show and of those 80s shows that did this type of stuff. Um, just like the show, the, the, the actors playing the, ki- the guys who are supposed to go back to school and act like high school kids all look like they're 50. And so they make a lot of jokes in this movie about the fact that, like, these guys are going back, you know, act like high school kids, and they look like they're 30 or 35, you know, well out of college. And so the fun thing it did is just playing on those tropes of those types of movies and shows from that era. And the chemistry between Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum is through the roof. The jokes are so funny in this movie. I, I didn't want to see it when it came out, but I was like, you know, that'd be a fun couple hours. I was blown away by how, by how smart and funny this movie was. The cast is brilliant. Um, it's just, it, you don't stop laughing from start to finish. And again, spoilers, the use of Johnny Depp's cameo at the end <laughs> is one of the better cameos of ideas in a long time because as you don't know every, or if you don't know everybody johnny depp that was his first gig was on the original 21 jump street tv series um so in the movie they have him in it as his character is still working undercover with this biker gang and he's only in it for maybe five minutes and he gets a bullet through his throat <laughs> in one of like the funniest gags because he's talking like oh yeah i was in jump street and he just gets shot in the neck you know, it's just so goofy. And yeah. he's really good. He's vulgar. Like, you don't get to see Johnny Depp do that stuff often. So it's fun seeing him kind of let loose and do something like that. Uh, and it's just so much fun. Uh, yeah, the sequel's just as good. I didn't put it on my list because I thought that'd be redundant. Um, yeah. But the sequel's just as fun because that one plays on the idea of sequels and the joke about how sequels always have bigger budgets. So Jump Street's division has a bigger, bu- a bitter, bigger budget for that one, you know. So they're both a lot of fun. And while we're talking, well, I'll get to that one later on. But just, it's just so good. Have you you've, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen both of them. Okay. Um, it's just goofy and just a lot of fun. It, yeah, the goofy buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. That's smartly written, you know, and and the joke that, uh, you know, when they were in high school, Channing Tatum was the popular jock, and Jonah Hill was kind of the outcast nerdy dude and when they go back to school for this movie it's flipped channing tatum starts hanging out and being more accepted by the nerdy outcasts and jonah hill becomes like the popular kid you know so just the fact they kind of flip that and how that would interact how they would interact with that and how they would deal with you know the tensions that come from that are just so funny i I highly recommend 21 jump street if you haven't seen it because it it is a really fun movie and a well-done parody of the, the source material exactly i like when movies make fun of the source material but in a loving way yeah you know? still keep true to it exactly yes they're not making fun of it just to like hey look at this stupid thing from the 80s no you can tell the people who made it 
Jonah Hill, I think, was one of the writers. You can tell that he truly loved the source material and was like, what can what can we mine for comedy out of the ideas behind that show? And that's why I think 21 Jump Street was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's my five. Definitely. All right. Yeah, I don't have anything much to add. I think you covered everything. It's been a while since I've seen. I think I've only, I think I've only seen each of them once mm-hmm. um, okay. when they first came out. Yeah, they're just fun. So my number five is the Flintstones movie. That was on my honorables. That was. Okay. Going from a cartoon and finding... I, I think the casting for this movie is probably the best part of it. Because oh, yeah. it they actually got someone... I mean, John Goodman as Fred Flintstone, Rick Moranis as Barney Rubble. Um, they, I think they, they couldn't have found better actors and what's Um, funny about that is like rick moranis is so polar opposite of who barney is in the show mm -hmm. but it works for the movie it does you know what i mean but just while you were bringing up casting that's why i wanted to interject that because i always thought that was funny that barney in the show was such a goofy short fat kind of goofy guy and rick moranis is barney he's not stupid you know he's kind of the straight man that he's the the smart one and yeah um, i mean for those for those that don't know course it's based on the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon um Fred Flintstone is construction worker um but his boss it's not Rob Lowe again is it no, no. it's Ty, uh McLaughlin Kyle McLaughlin um, Kyle McLaughlin from Twin Peaks um, he's embezzling money and is gonna get caught and he's trying to find a fall guy so they put together you know test and you know Barney swaps his scores for Fred, so Fred gets the job and finds out mm-hmm. that he's the fall guy, and um, because he gets, at, he at the last minute, at the last, well, at the last minute, <laughs> because he's just so stupid. But you know, he gets the raise. They live the rich life, um, and they, they, I mean, they live the rich life for a while, and then um, Wilma gets mad and leaves. Um, Barney mm-hmm. gets mad and leaves, and guy, Fred's on his own, and then he has to figure out how to really get out of it on his own um well yeah because they use him to shut down the plant right and you know everyone's to, against to, to, to him. build to build manufactured homes <laughs> basically um but turns out the what was it the the bird right yeah the yeah. dick the bird um erica it's, it's uh harvey corman i believe but uh, you know the bird ends up being the star witness that mm-hmm. proves everything <laughs> is the boss's fault and you know saves fred's family and i mean it, it was a fun movie and based on again yeah i talking about how barney was smartened up for the movie um it works it it works it's still honorable to the source material yeah because barney was stupid but he still wasn't he was smarter than fred dullard. Yeah, he wasn't a dullard. He was always getting one up, and I think they do that well with this movie. But yeah, again, the the casting, John Goodman as Fred. We won't talk about Viva Rock Vegas too much. No, we won't. <laughs> um, it's best to not talk about it ever. I'll I'll throw in. Uh, I think the Flintstones movie is the best representation of a cartoon to live action that's ever been made, in terms of the look and everything. The look of that movie is the cartoon. 
yeah all the the sets the um yes. props everything and you know and still the same the puns the you know mm-hmm. the, the dick to bird instead of the dick yeah. to phone yep um the vacuum cleaner being the elephant or the mammoth or whatever yeah yeah and well the mammoth is also the uh the the sink yeah the faucet you know the the it is just it looks like a cartoon come to life mm-hmm. you know like you watch the old show and then watch the movie the way the house looks everything is is straight from that movie or from that show and it was on my honorables it honestly was in my list for a while but i had to move it out for some other stuff because mm-hmm. the the flintstones movie is one that i will watch i probably so far the movies we've listed i probably watched the flintstones movie the most out of anything that's been brought up tonight Okay. That was my like one of my that was probably my top favorite movies growing up. I had the VHS, wore the damn thing out. <laughs> I love the Flintstones movie. Um, it could be on my list any given day. It just like I said, got edged out, and it is it's the cast that does it. Like I, you know me, I love John Goodman, mm-hmm. and he's so good as that kind of doofy but lovable Fred Flintstone, and just the world they created. You know, I mean, I know it's the world from the show, but. I just want to live in that world, you know, that they've created. And it's just that, like you said, the puns and, you know, at the end when they create concrete mm-hmm. and Slag Hoople goes, you know, I'm going to name this after my daughter, Concretia. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> stupid, but it's just, it's, it's so pun filled, but I love the Flintstones movie and it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you have it on here. Cause it's, I, I do like the Flintstones movie a lot. I'm looking at some of the other stuff on the page for it and, um, you know, Dino, they actually used the old recordings of Mel Blanc barking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was a puppet. And it was a puppet. Awesome. Yeah. I, you I, know, they were all, pu- everything was puppets. There yeah. wasn't, there's a few shots CG. of Dino CG, but right? It's, but it's they didn't overuse the predominantly CG. they for faraway shots of him running or, you know, yeah. But I mean, you could tell that the, they were much more practical, which I think adds to it in how everything looks. Well, everything's practical. Like everything was practical. Like they right. built that town. They built Bedrock, you know, mm-hmm. which is so you don't get that anymore. No, you know? everything's you know, on a computer and Yeah. I mean they you know, it wouldn't have looked anywhere near as good if they had done it CG in twenty no, years ago. Twenty five years ago now. And just like I said, it, it in terms of the look, the the comedy, the acting, the style it truly is, like I said, to me, the best representation of cartoon to movie. Yeah. To live action. Like, it captures everything about that show. You could watch one of the episodes of the show and then put the movie on, and they're hand-in-hand hand perfect together mm-hmm. because they captured even the storyline. Just everything is spot-on to that show, you know. I know it didn't get good reviews and stuff because it's just, you know, I don't know. People just didn't like it for some reason, but it's just a good representation of that type of, you know, show to movie. All right. Okay, that was your number... That was my number five. Okay. So it looks like we're on to my number... Four. Four. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've been having to argue myself (laughs) a lot lately. What do you have at four? I don't think this is going to change it. (laughs) I swear, my top... You'll like my top three, but... (laughs) One more straying from the flock for my number four. I put Inspector Gadget. I that's a guilty pleasure for me. It's <laughs> not on my list. Wouldn't be near my list, but that's a guilty pleasure. I love girl. 
in one up. So I'll let you talk. It's a, I, I do. I enjoy it. it. It's a great origin story, I think. Um, of course, Inspector Gadget is this police officer who has been had almost all of his insides replaced with robotics. Um, the movie shows why he was um, replaced because he was just in a big explosion. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it's the origin story for Inspector Gadget and Doctor Claw, which I will say I was a little back and forth on the showing the Doctor Doctor Claw's face. Yeah, I know in Inspector Gadget two, which isn't as good but it's I, more to the cartoon i think it's more the that, yeah the second one is more to the cartoon and i like them keeping to the dr claw in the second one um but i think i put doc uh inspector gadget on here um because who doesn't like a good origin story it depends and it's um you know matthew broderick playing inspector gadget but you see him you know learning how to use all of the the gadgets um he has the big manual that he doesn't want to read through he has the gadget mobile which is um again a little bit more different from the show um the gadget mobile is just kind of it wasn't sentient sentient mm-hmm. in the show and now it's dl hughley and now it's dl hughley but i i, I like I've always been a fan of the the mechanical stuff and how stuff works. And I remember when the movie came out, I had to collect all of the McDonald's toys to build Inspector Gadget. I still have them. <laughs> My niece plays with them all the time, and it's fantastic. And that was one of the coolest marketing techniques to do that way, where you built Inspector Gadget. I remember that was so cool having to try to do that. But no, I I, I think it's just because it it you know, brings everything together. Cause you never really know, learned what happened to him mm-hmm. in the show. He was just always inspector gadget, but to see that, you know, he had to learn how to use all of this. He had to you know, figure it out. Yeah. And yeah. It's a guilty pleasure. And again, probably shouldn't be as high on my list as it is, but <laughs> it, one of those, when I, this was one of the ones that was on my list when I, when we decided on the topic and I, couldn't see myself getting rid of it completely mm-hmm. um, because I used to, yeah, I used to watch the inspector gadget probably reruns when I was watching it. Um, yeah. it wasn't much older show, but yeah, it was one of my regular watches when I was younger. I, I liked the movie growing up. I still enjoy it now. I've watched it with my niece and nephew quite a few times and it's still enjoyable. I don't think it's good, <laughs> but it's enjoyable. You know what I mean? Right. Like I know it's 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 probably not it's not well written I don't think Matthew Broderick is really good as as Inspector Gadget I like Rupert Everett as Doctor Claw I would have rather they kept him the way he is in the show where you don't see his face mm-hmm. but I get why they did that because it's hard to do a villain that you don't see the face like that I mean Grand Dark right. Vader we don't see his face but you see him you know right it, um, not just sitting behind a desk the whole time and sitting shadows. behind a desk and laughing stroking a cat yes um. But it is fun. His gadgets are, to me, the highlight of the movie. Like the giant spring, or his big legs he can do. Mm-hmm. You know, that was always cool and, and, and whatnot. It just, I don't know, it's fun. For some reason, the toothpaste cannon. Yeah, the toothpaste cannon. I do enjoy when he creates the evil Inspector Gadget. Mm-hmm. When Matthew Broderick gets to just go nuts. With yeah. The big fake, with the big fake teeth. I remember that. 
Um, no, it's fun. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's a little too, the story is not all there for me, but the, or, you know, it is cool seeing how he became inspector gadget. Yeah. Cause I don't believe we got that in the old cartoon, but you know, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's distract everybody from my inspector gadget mishap with your number. Not a mishap. You liked it. I, like I said, I enjoyed inspector gadget. <laughs> it's not on my list. Probably honorable mentions if I, if I had thought of it, which I didn't, but you know, you like it. That's good. Yeah. You know, I, I do find a lot in it that I do enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, my number four is a punt from earlier. The Adams Family. Okay. So directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who, as we said earlier, directed Wild Wild West, Men in Black, RV, uh, Men in Black Two and Three. Um, the Adams Family is. I will tell you. I will tell you this. It was my number two. Okay. Uh, up until like the other day when I was like, eh, you know, I think I want to rejigger this around and move that near that. Um, the Adams Family is one of my all-time favorite movies. I still laugh watching that movie as if it's my first time seeing it. There are so many quotable moments in The Addams Family. Um, it's another movie that, along with 21 Jump Street, parodies its source material, but lovingly, and goes even darker with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know The Addams Family, they're just a creepy family that likes the macabre and and goofy stuff like that and and they end up uh there there's gomez the, hu- the husband morticia the wife and they have kids and the grandma <laughs> and there's uncle fester played by played brilliantly by christopher lloyd which i love christopher lloyd uh and he's been gone for years and he reappears and basically you find out that it's this this woman this couple trying to uh dupe the family out of their massive fortune by acting like this is uncle fester and saying it's not but it really is like there's there's some trickery going on throughout the movie and in the end they win yada yada and their family's back together but there are so many little throwaway jokes that they're blinking you miss or if you're not quite paying attention you're going to miss this quick little you know jab here or there um, I always say one of my favorite quotes in the movie is when they get kicked out of their house and, you know, Gomez says, we'll take him to court. And he says something like, you know, they always say a man who represents himself in court has a fool for a client. Well, as God is my witness, <laughs> I am that fool. <laughs> it's just stuff like that. And, and my, 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 that's my favorite, but I think my favorite throwaway joke that it's, it's you catch it if you do it, if you don't, it doesn't really ruin anything. Um, is during the party. I think I think it's at the end. It's for Halloween. Um, Cousin It comes, which if you don't know who Cousin It is, it's the character with the he's just hair, mm-hmm. just the long flowing hair. You don't ever see the character's face, nothing. He he just kind of talks like me 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 me, you know. And he comes in a cowboy outfit, uh, the holsters, uh, gun holsters, belt, and the cowboy hat. <laughs> and he walks in with the with the girl that's with him, whatever, and. The girl goes, yeah, you know, he's he's a real hit out there. Everyone keeps asking where he got his costume. <laughs> Obviously, everyone's thinking, holy crap, this this hairy thing, that's a great costume. But Gomez's reaction to that is, it is a really good hat. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And like I said, it's something that he says it, you might not get what he means by that to the fact that like he's not thinking, oh, it's the hair. No, it's not just a really good hat. But it's just, the movie is filled with that type of stuff because they 
they transplant the Adams family in like a world that like looks at them as like, God, these people are weird, you know? And I was going to bring it up earlier during 21 jump street, but I saved it for now. I had the Brady Bunch movie on my list too, for a while, because that is one of my favorites. And they do the same thing where they take the Brady Bunch family and transplant them in the year it was made, which was like the mid nineties. And what would that family be like? in that time period this very happy-go-lucky family in this very grungy 90s and they're a lot alike in that regard around the same time mm-hmm. you know they were made and the amos family does that really well where it's like god what is this with this weird family you know like god they're so strange you know, what are they doing but that's what's fun about it and it is just so good but you had on yours so what do you think of it um i you touched on all the points that i had i i love the the acting i, I don't have much to say <laughs> <laughs> no it's just it's just so much fun and like i said the brave bunch movie was on my list for a while but i had to take that off and like I, said, I love that for the same reason i kind of want to talk about that piggyback with it because like i said they are kind of in the same vein as uh kind of poking fun at the source material but lovingly yeah. um but the adams family just uh, the sequels just as good too mm-hmm. the adams family values um either one could be on my list but i i just thought well it's the first one i'll put that as my no- as as that one on my list but yeah if you haven't seen the adams family get out there and see it because it's definitely dark humor i mean the movie opens with them dumping a a cauldron of hot potion liquid on top of christmas carolers they don't show it but they they're doing it It, it's alluded to it's alluded to you know so it's definitely dark humor but it's it's that offbeat kind of you know brand of humor that i really enjoy so i definitely love love the adams family so i said that was a lot lower on my list but i had to bump it up for some stuff so that's my number four i always love in the second one the whole scene the thanksgiving the narrative the thanksgiving narration (laughs) the play the play um, (laughs) where wednesday takes over and turns Uh it into chaos chaos and no i and it's yeah the the macabre family just kind of yeah the modernization of the classic show and yeah they're creepy and kooky mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's a good movie and and uh i wish they would have did more than just two but we get what we get raul julia who plays gomez passed away so they really couldn't so mm-hmm. and he was fantastic and they're all really good so i i and can't recommend it enough adam's family number four we'll see how the new animated one goes oh that's right they're doing animated one aren't they <laughs> yes that's right um, i can't well, remember hopefully it's good yeah they i mean they got good animated source to work a, with yeah animated is a good way to go mm-hmm. i think to differentiate yourself and i think they can get away with a lot more obviously but yeah hopefully it's fun maybe sonnenfeld should do it they should get him back to do it he's not <laughs> doing much yeah okay my number three is south park bigger longer and uncut so I'll come out and say it. South Park's one of my favorite shows of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, you either love it or you hate it. I'm in the middle. <laughs> I, I don't know if you can be because it's definitely you're either on board for its crude, offensive humor or you you hate that stuff, you know. Um, but South Park the movie, they did exactly what you're supposed to do with the movie, which is what you can't do on TV. And South Park definitely gets away with a lot on TV. Um, at that time they didn't get away with as much as they get away with now. Um, but I mean, right off the bat, they let you know, this is a movie made for, for 
the theaters to get away with it. I mean, mm-hmm. the first song in the movie or the second song when they go, they go and see, which I'm not going to say it on here because we're trying to keep it clean, but they say the F word like 50 times in one At song. least. You know, uh, and it's it's just outrageous. Uh, basically, the, the four boys' favorite TV characters make a movie and the parents hate it, so they arrest them and are going to execute them for crimes against children, basically. It's it's, Kyle, it's Kyle's mom's leading the charge, of course, as she does in the show all the time. And the side plot, as more ridiculous, is uh, Satan is in a love relationship with uh, Saddam Hussein. <laughs> and it's an abusive relationship mm-hmm. with Saddam uh, being abusive to Satan, <laughs> who doesn't quite know if he likes it or not. Like... It is just outrageous upon offensive, upon outrageous, upon offensive, you know? And they knew that. And I wish they would do another South Park movie. I know they've talked about it for a couple of years now, but they just end up making it a three-part, whatever they're doing, a three-part show episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the South Park movie is so funny. The songs are catchy. They're really well-written, but that, I think... Cause that's what right. I was going to say. I think my favorite part of it is that it is a musical, and the yeah. songs are they, so catchy. Yeah. I mean, and you don't and i you do hear people i i have heard people that i either wouldn't expect to like south park or mm-hmm. maybe i know they don't like south park say blame canada oh and yeah they know oh, if, and it's if, it's, one know. Of, it's stuff that they know that exactly whether or not they like the source material it's it's caught mm-hmm. on to people that are outside of the outside of the south park zone mm-hmm. if you will I think the, the the score was written by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of the show, but also by a famous like movie score composer, Mark Shaman. I think maybe Shaman. I think I could be wrong, but it's someone who writes that type of stuff. So they kind of definitely made sure it was catchy and, and well written and just goofy. I mean, like I said, I mean Satan's in a love relationship with Saddam Hussein. Uh, Kenny's like their therapist, you know. Uh, Cartman is vulgar as ever, and like I said, they just they did. I'll say this. They did what I wish the Simpsons movie would have done. Uh, Simpsons movie, granted, the Simpsons on TV never say the F word and have it bleeped. South Park does. But I felt like the Simpsons movie didn't go far enough in their movie to warrant this is why we needed a movie. You know, so we could do something we couldn't do on TV. South Park did. They made a movie that they were like, this is why now is the time to do this movie. This is why we did this movie is because we had this story and we couldn't do this on TV. You know. And I think that was a a smart thing to do on their part. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just incredibly funny. It is really a funny movie. When they replace Kenny's heart with a baked potato on the operating table, (laughs) it's it's great. You know, like just so many dumb things. And and the offensiveness when Kenny's going to hell and and Gandhi's down there, you know, just like how how offensive can they get? You know, and then they, they touch upon pretty much all of it. And, like you said, the songs are great. And I, I love the South Park movie, and that's why that is my number three. I had to look at Mark Scheiman because I was still at the Adams Family page up and saw his yeah, name he, sitting Adam's there. Family. He yeah. also did George of the Jungle. Oh, did he really? Did he do South Park? Was yeah, that right? he did South Park. He did Hairspray, the movie. He's, I know he did Hairspray. He's, he did um, Mary Poppins. I he just did Mary Poppins, Return. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a known guy. That's why I think it was smart for them to get someone like that to write these very vulgar goofy songs because they added a little more credibility to them and a little more like they're they're smartly written and trey and matt 
who create South Park are smart writers already. I mean, they've won numerous Emmys. Like, I always get mad when people say, oh, South Park's just trash. It's really not. Um, it is offensive and ridiculous, but it's it is smart. very well written. Um, the, 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 the episodes they've done that are parodies of certain stuff or um, about specific topics, because they make that show in a week each episode, uh, they're very well written. They've won a lot of Emmys. They've won Tonys for their show, Book of Mormon. You know, So I always get mad when people really kind of cut down South Park as being just kind of just trash because it's it's not. It's very well done. And the movie, I felt like, was really well done. It was nominated for an Oscar. You know, Granted, it was for a song, but still. And, yeah, how they showed up to the Oscars. <laughs> they were in dresses, weren't they? <laughs> they were in dresses and high as That's kites. Right. That's right. And I think what's even better is the person who sang the song at the Oscars was Robin Williams, which is incredible. You can watch the video online of him singing Blame Canada, which is great. <laughs> so that's why South Park is absolutely my number three. It had to be on my list. I knew it was my number two for a while, but I had to pop it up. Mm-hmm. One, so. All right. So on the topic of long episodes in the middle of a series, <laughs> since Nick just finished bashing my number three. I didn't bash it. I gave my reason why it disappointed me. So my number three is a Simpsons movie. <laughs> I would be surprised if it wasn't on your list. Um, again, it it is it does play like a long episode. It's only rated PG thirteen. They're not doing much that they can get a, could have gotten away with on TV other than. Oh, and, and I said that I didn't expect to see a Simpsons movie where they're saying the f word because they don't do that right. in the show. But I just felt like they didn't do enough that differentiated it itself to warrant Besides uh, the hour length. and a half a movie. Well, exactly. Yeah. The length. But, I mean, there are good, you know, aspects to it. Um, it's on my honorable mention. I'll just the, tell you that right now. You know, the father-son bonding um, between Bart and Flanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> seeing, seeing what, I mean, Bart seeing what a father should be and... Mm-hmm. I mean, in the end, he still goes with his own father because it is his dad. Well, he's got a motorbike. And he's got a motorbike. <laughs> he knows him, Cody. Um, and uh, Albert Brooks' character in that movie. <laughs> yeah. um, the Schwarzenegger president. Well, yeah. <laughs> it was Schwarze- actually Schwarzenegger as the president and not um, McBain. No, it was, it was President Schwarzenegger. President Schwarzenegger. Um no, all do, around. Do you want? Do you want to read them first? No, just this no. one. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, he uh, Albert Brooks plays a, a great villain in that movie. Um, what with being director of the EPA, yeah. For those that don't know, uh, Simpsons movie, spring, uh, the lake's getting polluted, um, and the EPA comes in to try to get get it under control. So they keep, they're monitoring it and. Um, Homer and his laziness just dumps um, pig poop into mm-hmm. into the um, into the lake, and that, which is the tipping point. That is the straw that breaks the camel's back and um, completely just ruins everything. So the EPA actually comes in and puts a dome over Springfield, and you know, of course, Homer's blamed for it because they caught him on camera. They know it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're exiled, well, and they escape. Um, out of yeah. the sinkhole in the backyard, but they're they're essentially exiled. <laughs> the top of his head is showing. Claw head. <laughs> I like that moment. And, and that and that was, I think, other than showing Bart's doodle, um, 
Yeah. Uh, Homer flipping them off was the only really big thing they wouldn't have been able to do on TV. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, no, it, it was a long episode, and I've used to be a huge... I'm a huge fan of Old Simpsons. Me too. Up through season 13 or so. Yeah, same here. Um, and... You know, going to see that movie, I actually got my mother to go to the midnight showing with me on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> She's not a, a big, you know, go to the movies person. Mm-hmm. But, you know, The Simpsons was my childhood because it was, and it felt like I was watching an adult show that wasn't quite an adult it show. Wasn't, it wasn't South Park. It wasn't South Park. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, that and Seinfeld was what I could get away with as a little kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, For sure. So, yeah, The Simpsons was my childhood, so I had to include it. No, it it was on my honorable mentions. I Even though I did do think it is just a long episode, they didn't do what I wanted, which was give me a reason it should be a movie, like South Park did. And like I said, it's not me bashing it, because I do love The Simpsons movie. It's a fun movie. It's just, it's an hour and a half episode. You know, granted, the scope of, the ep- of, of it's a lot bigger than what they would do on a show episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Other than that, it is still a really fun movie. I mean, they gave us Spider Pig. <laughs> does whatever um, a Spider Pig can. Spider Pig, Spider Pig, does whatever a Spider Pig does. Can he swing from a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Look out, he is a Spider Pig. Exactly. Yes. And Harry Popper. <laughs> and Harry Popper. <laughs> um, that they got Hans no. Zimmer to do the score for that whole thing, though, it's... And he... I know. But how big a missed opportunity that wasn't Danny Elfman who did the theme. Right. I know. You know, like, I mean, I wish they would have done that, but Hans Zimmer's score is good. Um, no, there are a lot of funny moments in it. And I do, I do like the Simpsons movie. If it's not, it's another one where I'll sit and watch Simpsons movie mm-hmm. for a bit. Cause same as you, I grew up with it. Simpsons was on every day, uh, when I got home from school. Yep. And I, that's what I would watch for an hour or two hours, however long it was on over many episodes. I watched The Simpsons. Same deal. I have not watched it consistently for like 10 years, probably. I've got a little back into it when FXX did their uh, Every, Every Simpsons, Simpsons Ever Marathon for like a month mm-hmm. um, and watched a lot of it then. I do still watch. Make sh- it's, it's required viewing. I watch Treehouse of Horror every year. Oh, yeah. Um, and I will read the info each week of what each episode's about. And if it sounds interesting, I'll record it and watch it. But I'm not consistent, like with Family Guy, I still watch, you know. Right, or like South me with Park. American Dad, I still watch every episode. Exactly, same deal, you know. Um, but I do really like The Simpsons, and it is a fun movie. It, like I said, it made my honorable mentions. It just wasn't as good um, as good a translation of show to movie as I wanted. So that's why I didn't think it, sh- it that's why it didn't make my list. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear um, you. I think I remember, actually... Uh, when I came out, I was working on this. I was I was one of the writer. I was the movie reviewer for the school paper. And I wrote a review for it, and I think if I remember correctly, I did put in that review that I felt like it was just one long episode mm. instead of something different. You know what I mean? It's funny how even back then, if I remember correctly, that was one of my things. And one of the other things I remember about that movie is I loved the movie, uh, but I think I was more excited for the Dark Knight teaser we got before it. Yeah. Because this came out in 2007, and I remember the badass trailer before it. The little teaser. It was just a teaser. It got no footage. It was the logo, you know, and the, here in Heath Ledger's Joker. I was like, <gasps> you know, like, oh, the Joker, he's coming. You know, so I remember it for that, too, being really excited that, oh, my God, you know, Dark Knight's coming out next year. But, no, I do like the Simpsons movies, so I'm glad it's on your list. I'm glad it's on one of ours. Glad we got to talk about it. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. So on to my number two. 
Number two. Number two. My number two is, eh, yeah, I'd say it's fairly based on TV show. <laughs> you okay? No, I'm just trying to figure out what it would be. I was laughing. Mix of animation and live action. My number two is Space Jam. Oh, I didn't even think of Space Jam, but I like it. <laughs> Space... I'll give it to you because it's not based off any singular ep- show, but it is. You know what I mean? It's, it's based on the Looney Tunes. Stuff. Yeah, I'll give it to you. So, no, Space Jam is, you know, probably could have been my number one. A very, very close second. Oh, um, I love Space Jam. You're not going to get any. It's not on my list because I honestly didn't think of it, and it would have been. <laughs> but, no, you're not getting any negative from me. I love Space Jam. Um, so, the Looney Tunes are invaded by aliens and they need um they challenge them to basketball and the aliens steal all uh you know the, the basketball stars powers so the looney tunes Their talent yeah get michael jack or michael jordan <laughs> oh my oh god that'd be a much different movie if it was michael jackson michael jordan oh god <laughs> um. <laughs> come here bugs <laughs> oh god cody we need to write that right now. <laughs> oh, but I know it's, <laughs> you know, you, you still get all of the classic Looney Tunes shenanigans, quite literally. Um, introduction yeah. of new characters, even uh, Lola Bunny was made for that movie. Um, yeah. Yep. And, you know, became a permanent. I think she's on the new Looney Tunes, yep. which yep. um, good for them. <laughs> Hey, Brendan Fraser connection. He was in the second Looney Tunes movie. He was back in action. Back in action. Um, I don't know how I feel about the sequel coming out. <laughs> I'm excited for it because I really like LeBron James as both a basketball player and as an actor. He's right. funnier than hell in uh, Trainwreck. So I, haven't, I, I haven't watched Trainwreck. Yeah, no, he's he shows he's good at comedy. I wouldn't have thought so about Space Jam until after I saw that, and I was like, oh yeah, no, give him Space Jam. He's really a likable dude. Yeah. You know, in the movies, so. And, you know, it's kind of upsetting hearing how Michael Jordan can be. Um, yeah, that sucks. He was an idol. I mean, we grew up in the peak Chicago Bulls. Yeah. You know, I mean, Michael Jordan was my hero growing up, man. I did not. I'm not even a big sports person. I mean, I, I like baseball and basketball. I, I like watching them. But I have loved watching Michael Jordan back in the day. So, yeah, it sucked to find out that he's not the nicest. He's not the <laughs> nicest guy. No, and that really is a bummer because he's, he's just back then. He was like the most likable. Like, I want to be like Mike. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, but um, yeah. I I took based on a TV show loosely when I put Space Jam on my list. Um, but it is. But though. that was no, one I of the things that I. That was one of the movies that I had to have on. When, once we had it, um, Simpsons movie Space Jam and my number one were. I mean, my mm-hmm. top three from. Yeah, I from didn't that. even think of Space Jam, <laughs> just because it's based on a whole series. Well, yeah. TV wise, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's based uh, on a bunch of shows. Stuff. It didn't make yeah. me, I didn't think of it, but no, I love it. would have been on my list. I love Space Jam a lot. And Bill Murray, Cody. Yeah. Bill Murray. Bill Murray, Danny DeVito. Yeah, Danny DeVito. Uh, one of my favorites, Billy West. Yeah, he's Bugs Bunny, right? He's Bugs Bunny. Um, That's right. <laughs> and yeah, all the cameos by, you know, the basketball players mm-hmm. who, mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell some of them are not great actors, but. No, not at all. Charles Barkley is atrocious. Um, Larry Bird was great. Yeah, Larry Bird. That's right. Um, and it's it's safe. And, and yeah, Bill Murray playing Bill Murray. Exactly. Exactly which, how I expect Bill Murray which, to actually be. 
with how selective and picky he is with movies, it's incredible Bill Murray agreed to do it. Not because Space Jam's bad. I love Space Jam, but just didn't seem like something Bill Murray would do, you know? And I even love they have the line where when he appears at the end, uh, what's-his-face, De- DeVito's character goes, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture. <laughs> you know, it's very self-aware. Yeah. I love that about that movie, but it's just uh, it's just so much fun. I, I, I really do like Space Jam. And putting aside, oh, God, everything we know about R. Kelly now. Yeah. I Believe I Can Fly is still one of the best songs mm-hmm. and gives me chills when I hear it. When that movie opens, because they open with that, you know, when the, the pans down from the stars and it's young Michael Jordan playing basketball and it just kicks into that score, you know, I believe I can fly. It just gives me chills every time because it brings me instantly back to my childhood watching that movie and wanting to be Michael Jordan, you know, like I want to yeah. be that basketball star, um, which made eating at his restaurant in Chicago even more incredible because oh, yeah. I thought, you know, he'd be there, but he's, he wasn't, which he was wasn't upset. There. Right. Um, um, but what's nice about the movie is it's breezy. It's a really short movie. Oh, yeah. It's less and than an hour flies. and a half. It goes Yeah, and it, it flies. It, I didn't realize that until a few years ago. I bought it. I wanted my nephew to watch it. He'd never seen it. So I bought it on Amazon, and we put it in, and it was over. You know what I mean? <laughs> now I were thinking to myself, God, I don't remember that being that short. What's missing? <laughs> did I skip something? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, did this? Did I buy a weird, you know, like, pakistani version you know that was like i did it or something you know, i was just it was really weird but no it's just it is really short but i just think it's because it's such a breezy story that that just flows through really really good and i just i love space right. jam and I, i'm mad i didn't think of it because i just didn't think of it as a show but it is you know yeah um but no i'm glad it's on your list there because i that would have been on probably my top five i love space jam yeah. but yeah i mean it's a great movie you should be come ashamed. on and, come on come on and slam and welcome to the jam, Cody. Everybody get up. I'm ready now. God, it's going to be stuck in my head all night now. That's not a bad thing. That's true. There could be worse things stuck in my head. Like mm-hmm. Spider-Pig. <laughs> On to your number two. All right, my number two is another kind of cheat where I put a whole series, but I have a specific one that I can talk about the most. Uh, it's Mission Impossible. Uh, so... I'm going to ignore the first two because <laughs> they're not good. Uh, We're talking about the Tom Cruise. Yes. Ones, the Tom right? Cruise uh, action films. Yes. Okay. Uh, so from number three on up to uh, fallout, the one that came out this past year, uh, the mission impossible series has kind of usurped James Bond as like the better like action series, you know, uh, they're just really well done. Well written. And the villains are really strong. The set pieces are, you have to see them to believe them. Um, based on an old 60s TV show, spy show. Um, and they keep a lot from that show. The whole, you know, if you've ever, if you don't know, even if you don't know what it's from, you know the, this message will self-destruct in 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. That's from Mission Impossible, you know. And when J.J. Abrams brought it back with Mission Impossible 3, he's the one that took it into what it needed to be, which was really over the top, and crazy stunts and really ridiculous villains that had huge plans, like really kind of not too serious, but serious. You know what I mean? So like that third one, it's Philip Seymour Hoffman, and he's an awesome villain. Uh, the fourth one, like I said, it, it's it's to me what Mission Impossible is going to be remembered for are the stunts they let Tom Cruise do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so in the fourth one, uh, Ghost Protocol, he climbs the was it the Burj Khalifa? I think it's called mm-hmm. the world's tallest building. Yeah. And he really did that. 
that is incredible that they would let an actor do that stunt. Um, the one I specifically going to talk about, I think probably is my favorite, is Rogue Nation, which is number five. It just had a, the best story, I think, the most stakes. It was really big in scope, bigger in scope than even Ghost po Protocol. But the cast is well well cast. Simon Pegg is hilarious in all of them. Uh, Ving Rhames is really good. Rebecca Ferguson in Rogue Nation, a new character, she's stunning and perfect in the part she gets. But same deal. It all goes back to the set pieces. I think the action is so well done in the Mission Impossible movies. I mean, he is on the side of an airplane in Rogue Nation. The opening set pieces, he's hanging onto a side of an airplane as it takes off and goes up. And he really did that. He was strapped to it, obviously. And, you know, they don't show you that in the movie. But he told them, no, I want to do it. The studio had to up their insurance on the movie because Tom Cruise to put up with Tom to Cruise it, wanting to put, up, to... to put up with Tom Cruise doing his own stunts. Um, he holds his breath for... There's a scene in that movie where he goes underwater and has to hold his breath. He really did for like five minutes, like an incredible amount of time that no living human being should do, which I think Lord Zenu with the Scientology probably gave him that power. Um, I wasn't going to make a Scientology comment. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't well, see I did. where this would go. <laughs> um, but no, there's this, the stunts and the action, and it's not just all stunts. The stories are all good, you know, but it's just there's the spectacle of these movies and fallout even was really good too and continued and i can't wait to see what they do next but i mean he's just incredible i, I love tom cruise anyway i'm not one of those people that's a hater a tom cruise hater um he's just really good in those movies in that role uh and like we said he'll do anything he broke his broke his ankle filming a stunt in the one that just came out last year and continued to do the scene. You can see him limping kind of, <laughs> and then they had to shut down production for like two months and he helped pay the salary of the employees that were laid off during those months, which I think is really cool. Um, but they're just incredible. And, and I didn't know for the longest time they were based off a TV show. I've never seen the show. Uh, I think it's probably campy cause it's the sixties and everything was. Um, but I love mission impossible. They're, they're the highlight when the new mission impossible comes out. I got to go see it. Because they're so much fun, and like I said, they've kind of become like the new Bond, the new like uh, the American James Bond, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I I probably would pick Rogue Nation, but I'm just gonna say Mission Impossible. The series is my number two. Yeah, I didn't get into the Mission Impossible movies. I I do remember, you know, the theme song sticks in my head. Mm -hmm. Oh um, yeah, so iconic, and I mean that's probably what made me know that it was based on because when they announced Mission Impossible, I already knew the song. I'm Dun, dun, oh, yeah. dum, dum, dum. It's going mm -hmm. in my head. Um, but, you know, I actually kind of avoided the Mission Impossible movies. Ninja. Yeah, I I don't know why. Um, I uh, gravitate more towards the comedy movies. And I was going to say, you're not a big action I'm not person. a. I'm not a big, big action but movie. I'll tell you this, though. There is a lot of comedy in them. Mm -hmm. Simon Pegg, who came in the third one. Mm-hmm adds a lot of good humor to it. And there is a lot of good comedy to them. Obviously, it's not a comedy, but there is a lot of levity and a lot of moments. So you should give at least one, the third one a the chance third to one. see if you don't like it. Because J.J. Abrams did a good job of kind of just taking it to the extreme. You, you know, know, and I've, I've learned something tonight just from us talking. If you need a series rebooted, oh yeah, call J.J. No, it's J.J. Abrams, hands down. He's your reboot guy. Star Trek, and Star Wars, Mission so Impossible. Good. Yeah, he, he brings series back from obscurity and, and does a good job with them. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I'll definitely have to give Mission Impossible 3. You should. It's, it's, they're really fun movies. 
just for the spectacle of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say a couple, couple movies on your list that I really need to take another look at. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's see if I've seen your number one. You should, but I doubt <laughs> you have. Uh, this was instantly my number one. Uh, my number one is a movie that came out in 2006. Uh, I shouldn't have seen it in 2006, but I did. I snuck in. Uh, it is one of the most funny and cringeworthy movies ever made. Made without the people being in it, even knowing they were in a film, except for the main actor. My number one is Borat. Or as its full title is, Borat, Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit, Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Borat, if you don't know what it is. So, Sasha Baron Cohen, the actor, comedian, he had a show on HBO back in the early 2000s called The Ali G Show, where he played like this really stupid like rapper guy, and it was a sketch show. And he had a character on that show called Borat, who was like a news anchor guy, field agent, a field reporter for uh, Kazakhstan. It's very like stereotypic, you know, Jewish, you know, Kazakhstani character. Well, the point of that show was everything he did was mockumentary, but he would go and talk to real people and they would think he's real. He would, they would think Borat was a real person. So when they decided to make the movie, that's what the movie is. Basically, the thin plot line is he's from Kazakhstan. His news station sends him to America to learn about America. It's ideals. It's, you know, what they do, the culture, everything for glorious nation, Kazakhstan, you know, and him and his producer character in the movie are the only two actors in the movie. Everything else is real. The situations he puts themselves in, the people that are involved are all real people. He was sued so many times because of this movie. They were all thrown out because there's nothing they can do about it. It's parody. It's, it's you know, it's, 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 there's nothing they can do about it. But it is one of the most cringe-inducing movies, of course, because you know what he's doing. He, he's doing the most outrageous and pushing the envelope on purpose to try to get the best reaction out of these real people. And while watching it, you know how awful it would be being that person and thinking, oh my God, this situation, or, you know, how do I, what do I do? What do I say? Like just putting yourself in their position is so uncomfortable, but it is so incredibly hilarious. There are so many moments in Borat that are funny. Have you, I'm assuming you haven't seen Borat. I have not. You need to watch Borat, but just know it's going to be tough in a few spots. Cause it's like, Oh God, no, don't do that. Oh, he's doing this, you know, <laughs> but it also was a movie that, beyond its humor, kind of shed light on some pretty seedy and bad thoughts Americans have about race, sexual orientation, uh, any of this type of stuff, you know. And and that was kind of his point of the movie was I'm going to make a comedy, but I'm also going to kind of kind of show how America is, mm-hmm. you know. And people didn't like that. That's why I got sued a lot. But it was reviewed by critics really well. Borat's in like the 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fans liked it. Um, and just the, the, the crazy stuff. he the, the I'll just say it. The balls Sasha Baron Cohen had for some of the stuff he does. There is a moment in this movie. I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to watch it. The movie. <laughs> uh, there's a moment in this movie where he does something with his producer character. 
this guy, the guy that plays his producer, where they're running through a hotel. And what they are doing in front of actual real people is one of the most outrageous and shocking things I've ever seen in a movie that I can't believe someone would do. But it's all for a laugh and because it's outrageous. And he goes for broke. He puts himself in danger. There's a scene where he goes to a rodeo down in Texas. And you have to remember, this is 2006. So we're five years out from the trade centers. <laughs> okay. To where a lot of people distrusted people from those types of countries. Kazakhstan, Pakistan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he goes to a rodeo to sing our national anthem. They invite him to sing the national anthem. And he sings it, fine. And then he says, now I'm going to sing the Kazakhstan national anthem, which is really offensive. It's basically about how America is nothing, how Kazakhstan's the greatest country in the world. All other countries are run by little girls, you know. And they almost hop the fences to come out down onto the stage to get him. Oh, jeez. They really do. And it is just so outrageous because you're like, this guy's going to get himself killed. It is the crux of the movie also throughout the movie he falls in love with pamela anderson and wants like to to find her and date her which she's in it and plays herself she's actually like the third person in the movie that that's an actual playing a part not playing you know she's playing herself but she's in on it okay um but it is just so incredibly funny and the situations he gets in just real quick i'll say another moment i like he goes to atlanta georgia and they're driving down the road and they stop and there's a bunch of it's basically there's a gang on the side of the road, a street gang. He goes up to them and basically starts conversing with them about how he can be more street. I would be terrified <laughs> to go anywhere near a street gang, right? any city, any, any gang. But he does it because he knows it will get good material and he gets great material out of it. They show him how to sag his pants, how to talk, and he uses that when he goes the, and tries to get a room in a hotel and promptly gets thrown out because he's being so terrible. But like the stuff he does, it is just hilarious. And like I said, it's very cringeworthy. It is, it is the office cringe times a thousand because it's real people he's interacting with and you know it's real people and that's why I think it elevates it. And so when I come up with this list in my top ten – Borat had to be my number one. It's one. Of, it's a movie I probably only watch once a year because it is a tough watch mm -hmm. because I know it's real and it's so uncomfortable, but it's that uncomfortableness that sets it to the comedy because you know what's going through his mind thinking, oh, I can get this laugh. Oh, I can just escalate it to make this joke. And, and it is incredibly funny. Right. So I cannot recommend Borat enough. It's very, very rated R. So just a heads up. Now, he still but, does... He he does a lot of like candid interview stuff because wasn't Bruno he, an interview? Bruno was, was interviewing? based off yes, that was another one based off his his show. Uh, it's not as good. It's nowhere near as good. No, as I I know that. And then now yeah, he has a show on HBO again where he's interviewing yes, people on Showtime. He had the show This Is America, which was kind of the same thought as as Borat, which was kind of him going undercover as different people to kind of talk to real Americans to about race and just topics going on in America. So it's kind of the same along the same lines as Borat but even more terrible because I think the world has gotten more opinionated and just worse over the years. Mm -hmm. But it's, he, you know, Borat can easily be written off as, oh, it's just a guy going around doing stupid stuff, you know, trying to make fun of people in America. And it's not. It's him mining comedy out of kind of American values and how some of those values are terrible, you know, and they're, they're just so good parts. In the very beginning, he's showing off his house and his family and 
he's like, this is my cousin, you know, and, and he walks outside and there's this woman standing there and he starts, he goes into this and he starts making out with her and he goes, is my sister. <laughs> you know, it's just so stupid. She's my sister. She is number four prostitute in all of Kazakhstan. Nice. It's just, it's so bad, but it's mm -hmm. infinitely quotable. I, I quote Borat a lot more than I probably should. Um, <laughs> but no, I very much recommend it. It's, it's, it's something everyone should see. You know what I mean? Because it is just so holy crap. You know, so it, that's why it had to be my number one is Borat. Cultural learnings of America for make benefit glorious nation of Kazakhstan. I'm not writing that whole thing on my note. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> you get Borat. <laughs> just Borat. Yep. No, and that's what it's it's called. It's just no. It's it's it's. Uh, I love Borat. So that that's that's my number one movie to TV movie based on TV. All right. So my number one movie based on TV. I mentioned earlier that. I only included one Saturday Night Live sketch. Mm. And you thought you had a guess on to which one it was. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to know what you're thinking it was. I'm guessing it's Blues Brothers? You're right. <laughs> it's got to be Blues Brothers. It's, if it was going to be It's Pat, Cody, I'm shutting this podcast no, down right now. It's Stuart Saves His Family. <laughs> hey, I just watched that movie for the first time about a year ago. That's far better than I thought it was going to be. But, it's not great, but it's, it's better than people give it credit for. But, no, I... I, I think I could honestly say that not only is it my one of my favorite movies, it, it is my favorite movie based on a TV show. It is one of my favorite movies, period, if not my favorite movie. Um, it's damn good. Uh, Blues Brothers, um, it's Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi as uh, El Ro Elwood and Jake Blues, um, the Blues Brothers. They Jake just gets out of prison, um, Elwood picks him up, and they get this idea to get the band back together. Um, this blues band, which is actually played by most of the Saturday Night Live band. Yeah. Um, and the, the movie, the, um, the movie is ridiculous. Um, they're, they're, they're want, they want to get the band back together to save the orphanage that they grew up on, uh, or grew up in, um, because the, the church is going to close it. Uh, and they, they go around, you know, gathering all the band members, but, um, all of the cameos, all of the music. We got Aretha Franklin, Ray Charles, James Brown, just there. Um, and of course, it's a musical. They all sing, um, you know, huge musical numbers throughout. Um, Carrie Fisher is Jake's ex-wife that's trying to kill them throughout the whole movie. <laughs> just <laughs> that's right. Um, they they piss off the Nazis, the Illinois Nazis. Um. They're being chased uh, by the police because they um, actually I can't even remember why they're being chased by the police. Uh, they're being chased they by get, the they because they get pulled over in the very beginning, and Elwood has all those charges. Right, the parking and they tickets. They flee them through the uh, through the mall. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So the um, the mall chase scene, one of the most destructive movies. Um, oh, that it, movie held the record for most cop cars destroyed, didn't it? Until the record was the, broken by the second one. So the second one, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, Which is incredible to think that the record at one time was held by the Blues Brothers. Yes. Um, the uh, I always love the Bluesmobile, which, you know, an old um, an old Dodge police car. Yeah. Um, that I guess they used like 20 that mm -hmm. they that they bought from an old they they bought when they were decommissioned from a police department and used them all as props. They rigged them. 
to fall apart, to jump, to go fast, to crash. I think they crashed, yeah, over a hundred. It's cars. a lot, yeah. Um, but they they just kept, and it's it's a sight gag. The um, oh, yeah. the cops that that so many cops are chasing them, and they um they all just go off the edge of the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh they do get the recording contract. They do get the band back together. They do get to save the um the orphanage. The orphanage. They still get caught. <laughs> And yeah. the the final scene is them singing Jailhouse Rock in the jail. Yep. Um, but I remember when I was in high school, and I think I still have all the stuff to do it, but I used sure to, do. Um, we, I, was, I was in the marching band, and we would play some mm-hmm. of the Blues Brothers songs, and um, my friend Other Cody and I would dress up as Jake and Elwood Blues, and, mm-hmm. you know, just have fun. And so, I mean, I... I have I have a Blues Brothers outfit. That's the one closest thing to cosplay that I've ever done. I thought you were going to say the closest thing to Cosby. <laughs> I don't know cosplay. why. Cosplay. For a split second, I'm like, oh, God. But, again, quotable. I hate Illinois Nazis. We're on a mission from God. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark. And we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's it's a it's a really good movie. I didn't even think of it, honestly. I should have. Uh, it would have been on there for sure because I, I really do love the Blues Brothers. That's a fun movie. A- Aykroyd is incredible. John Belushi, you know, unfortunately he passed away not too long after that, mm-hmm. but he was really good in that movie. I always forget John Candy's in that too. John Candy's the the <laughs> he's he's um, the detective. The after, che- or, right? Yeah. The- detective not the chief um, but yeah the detective but it's um, just a lot of it's it, the music's really good it's a lot of good cameos isn't it? ray charles aretha franklin yep i know aretha franklin might be the sequel no aretha franklin's is she in this one in both of them um okay. it's one of the band members wives and she kind of right. has to give That's them right. permission to, to um, go to go and yep. you know and a lot of people bash the sequel i don't hate the sequel it's you know, not one of my top ten movies, but the sequel was still good. Um, of course, Dan Aykroyd's still there. I I hate the sequel. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's still there. Um, they kind of replaced him with John Goodman, which mm-hmm. which um, is fine by me. Who would have thought John Goodman had that him. kind of had that kind of voice? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're gonna replace him, I, do John Goodman because he's fantastic. I just didn't think it's anywhere near as good as the first. Didn't one. care too much for the kid, but no, I oh, mean, yeah. no, it's Buster, Buster, Buster Blues. Blues. It's Ugh. it's definitely not as good, nowhere near as good as the first. Um, but not at all. Um, no, I love the Blues Brothers. And spoilers: if we do our top ten movies ever, it's on the list. <laughs> my uh, <laughs> one of my favorite moments from that movie is uh, after the nun. They both go down the stairs. They mm-hmm. fall down the stairs. And the nun's up top in the doorway. And she says something. And then she crosses her arms. And she floats back into the room. <laughs> and the door slams. <laughs> and the door shuts. You know, like, it's just one of those, like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't, wait, what the hell? You know, but it's just one of those weird little sight gags. She just she just floats back into the room. It's just, I love that moment. And, you know, always calling her the penguin. The penguin, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a good movie. I like the Blues Brothers no, a lot. I, I think I... Yeah, the music is unforgettable. I mean, it, it was all popular music otherwise. Yeah. Um, it's not yeah. like they wrote new stuff for. But mm-hmm. the, the using 
the um, using as much of the Saturday Night Live band as they did was, I think, a really great idea. Now, some of them are better actors than others. You can and you can tell that. Um, yeah. But and Dan Aykroyd still does the Elwood Blues character. Yeah, with hand me down John Belushi. <laughs> but and like he even does a he has a a blues radio show that he does. Yeah. As yeah. it's the Bluesmobile radio show and it's mm-hmm. I listen to it every once in a while. They took it off my local our local radio station, but yeah. I'll listen to it every once in a while um online and no, I Elwood Blues is his own entity. Oh yeah. There there's Dan Aykroyd and there's Elwood Blues. Um they're two separate people. I've never seen them at the same place. Wait. <laughs> I would but, hope not. Never seen them at the same place, but I think they're separate people. I would hope so. <laughs> but so my number one is the Blues Brothers. Okay. Well, our number one is the Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to flip a coin because I'm not budging on that Borat. <laughs> Heads I win, tails you lose. Works for me. <laughs> <laughs> Call it. All right, tails. Tails. <laughs> ah, Morat, make benefit, glorious nation of Kazakhstan. All right. Borat, blues, Space Jam. <laughs> That's fine, because you had Blues Brothers at two. Mission Impossible. We'll do uh we'll do Rogue Nation. Put that as what it is, just for to have like just one. You know what yep. I mean? And. Mission. Um, we both had Adam's, Adam's family. family. Yeah, I so if, I'd say we jump up there. Maybe that we're then because it was my four. Yeah, so that'll be our yours, five, what, seven or eight. Eight. So that's our number five. All right. Simpsons and South Park. And they both were number three. They were both number three. I let you have Space Jam at three. Let me have. Uh, I'll give you South Park. South Park at six. Simpsons at seven. Okay. Gadget. Oh yeah, yep. Flintstones or Twenty One Jump Street. I say we do Twenty One, and then Flintstones. All right. So let's. How about we put Twenty One Jump Street at nine and Flintstones at ten? Sounds like a plan. Okay. I'm good with that list. Ah, me too. All right. My turn to read, and you do the numbers. I think. Probably. I don't know. I don't care. Give me some numbers. Number ten. Well, you got you got to lead off with you know. All right, 10. ladies and gentlemen. Here it is for your listening pleasure. Our top ten movies based on TV shows, starting with number ten, The Flintstones. Number nine. Twenty One Jump Street. Number eight. Inspector Gadget. Number seven. The Simpsons movie. Number six. South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut. Number five. The Addams Family. Number four. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. Number three. Space Jam. Number two. The Blues Brothers. And our number one movie based on a TV show is... Borat. 
I know I don't feel like going into the whole title. <laughs> oh, I, <looked laughs> I was thinking I was going to read it, so I looked it up, and I was going to go through the full title, Borat, Cultural <laughs> Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> well, there you go. But that's our list. If you disagree, let us know. We have a website, yeah. GetRankedMoviePodcast.com. We have a Twitter, Get Ranked. We have a Facebook page, Tell Your Friends. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot more with the Facebook, hopefully. Maybe doing some polls on there and posting some teasers of some different stuff we're going to be doing and getting maybe some ideas of what you'd like to see as topics. Go and shoot us a message on there. We're hoping to do a lot with our Facebook page. Our Twitter page, eh. But our Facebook page, hopefully we're going to get a good response with stuff. Yeah, and we're, we're going to put as... Um, we have a contact form on the website. Um, let us know couple other things we have on our website that i always got to say something about we have a link to DigitalOcean. um digital ocean is a web hosting service that is more, more than just websites you can have virtual servers uh remote databases uh kubernetes storage systems um all sorts of um alternative um to you know hosting on your own network hosting on um you you'll want to host on a server that has 99.9% uptime. Click on that DigitalOcean link on the top of our website to get a $100 account credit over 60 days. Um, help us out. It, um, any referral link benefits go towards supporting the site. Another link up top there is uh, Dynadot. Get your domains.com.org.net. Dot, whole lot of other stuff. They have um, tons of different top-level domains starting at $5 a year. So um, use that referral link and you can get a small account credit for your first domain. Uh, we also have a link to a survey. Um, let us know more technical. How do we sound? How does the podcast sound? How's the content? How's the, um, the, the access? How, um, how are you accessing it? Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. What kind of person you are? What kind of interests you have? All sorts of... Um, information to help us improve the show kind of more cater it towards our audience um let's see well, as always make sure if you are not subscribed to our show what are you waiting for hit the subscribe button tell your friends tell your family tell share our facebook page let's get let's grow this audience out so we can do more and bigger things with it tell the panhandler um, standing on the corner yes buy him a cell phone buy him an iphone iPhone. Show him how to get the podcast app and, and make sure he subscribes. And and make sure you go and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Music. Those definitely help us. Uh, they help us with views. They help us our, on our placement on the iTunes store. There's a lot of those reviews help us. And they help us kind of make the show better. Give us an idea of what you'd like, what you don't like, what you'd like to see. You can also tell us that on our Facebook page. So make sure you know, you're know you going and doing all this stuff. Spread the word. We're hoping the show grows and we, 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 we really like it. We hope you are really liking it and we hope we uh, get to keep doing it. So make sure you're going and spreading the word about our show. Yeah. Um, I think that's just about it for our show this week. Uh, one last thing. The music you hear in the background, as always, is Locomotive by Load. Creative Commons. Next week we get super. Super. So... Until next week, I'm Cody. And I am Nick. See you next time.
Get Ranked, a movie podcast, episode four. Movies based on TV shows. 